Hey everyone, welcome to another spectacular episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we have something really special for you all. This episode has been years in the making, and I'm really glad it's finally here for you all to enjoy. We are doing a Collective Commentaries exclusive on one of my favorite films of all time, Akira. I'm joined by my friends Joe Peacock and Neil Leslie, who are both not just avid fans of the franchise, but incredibly knowledgeable about the film and its impact on culture, society, and art in general. If you haven't seen Akira for some odd reason, please press pause, stop what you're doing, and go pick up a copy of the Blu-ray ASAP and enjoy the journey. For those of you that do have the film, please follow along and enjoy as Joe, Neil, and I take you on an Akira quest. So let's begin, everybody, episode 165, the Collective Commentaries Akira Edition with Joe Peacock and Neil Leslie. finally here this has been kind of years in the making we've been talking about doing this since joe came on the podcast uh, a couple years ago now i think and um what we're going to do before we get into doing talking about the commentary and going through this film and um also for anybody that's listening to this if you haven't yet seen this masterpiece you need to just not listen to this yet because you should watch it first by yourself without our loud obnoxious opinions in your ear um but go make sure you enjoy the film yourself and enjoy it and and really just experience it um but we're going to do a little round table about how you know akira came into our lives why is it that all these years later we're still dedicating time and focus and and effort and energy into this masterpiece um and i think we'll start off with joe why don't you tell us about kind of like how you came into experiencing akira and what it's done for you in your life because i know you have it has a massive impact on you and and what you do in life in general. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, Akira the manga came into my life when I was 10 years old. It was actually one of the first comics I ever bought with my own money. Um, I was in the store and I had just started getting into comics and I was reading, you know, Punisher and Wolverine, all those things that came out in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, the comic store owner was just super cool. And he's like, you know what? You, you might enjoy this thing. And he handed me the Marvel Comics epic edition of Akira number one. And I loved it, but I it, it's not because I read it and understood it fully because I was 10 but I loved motorcycles and explosions, and that was neat. And then when I was 12, my dad took me to see it when it was screened here in Atlanta. It was um, it was only in one theater officially at Phipps Plaza, and we didn't get to that screening. So at UGA, which is about two hours away from where I lived, um, the students put together – they were a little anime club – and they put together a student showing at the big theater there. And funnily enough, um, two years ago, somebody actually gave me a copy of the foldover handmade program from that particular screening. He was there. He was a member of the club. Wow. And so I have like that ultimate souvenir. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and so we went and it was a school night. It was a Thursday night and it started at 8 p.m. And we lived two hours away. And my dad's an old Navy guy. He I love was, how vivid you know, this is too. I love how like detailed you got this down. This oh, I, I I memorized this moment. Like it's in my brain forever. <laughs> my crusty war veteran father, um, who was so rigid about everything, knew that I really wanted to see this. And I mean, I kept the flyer for the screening on my wall. And he's like, "Well, sport, if you want to see it, I'll take you." You know, I know it's a school night, but come on, let's go. That's so awesome. he picks me up from school, and we drive out, and we go out and we see it, and. Um, to v- make a long story very, very short, it was not dubbed and not subbed. It was straight Japanese. And we sat there for two hours and 12 minutes. And when we left, I was 
just stunned and my jaw was on the floor and it was amazing. And my dad just goes, what the hell did we just watch? <laughs> and I tried to explain him, you know, the story and the plot and all the intrigue and how cool. And he's, he stops me about after six sentences and just like, did you have fun? And I said, yeah, he goes, that's all that matters. No, what, a good just, dad. Like, what a good dad. Took me on home. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so is- that was, that was my intro to Akira. <laughs> that's interesting too. Cause you're watching it with somebody that's not, and that is not necessarily interested, but it's, it's kind of, it must be really interesting. Also, does your, I mean, your dad must be like really intrigued by, you know, how, how far that impact has had on your life then. Right. I imagine that's like, Oh, it's, it's fascinating because he's never seen the movie. He never read a single comic and he was by far the most, um, powerful presence in my life in terms of supporting art. Like my dad was not an artist. He didn't get art. He didn't care about art himself, but he cared about that. The fact that I cared about it. And I think what's astounding is that it's really refreshing to go to a man who has zero context and is like, I'm going to Scotland to talk about this movie. And he's like, you know, I'm glad you like that movie. And that's his only perspective. Like, he's like, Scotland's cool too, but I'm glad you really like that movie. That's, that's just good for you. I'm super happy. (laughs) That's awesome though. That's really cool. I mean, that's a, that's a, quite a special journey from there and then from there the obsession just continued right because once you saw that once you saw the the manga moving and in color with sound and and, and all the action and everything and it's, it's very raw in japanese too so you're just like damn you're just inundated by this brilliance of it that just yeah. kind of that just lit the torch then right oh yeah and um when streamline acquired akira and this is a much longer story for another time sure um they were competing against their own film. Akira was the most bootlegged film at the time and probably still is next to the star Wars holiday special. When it comes to bootleg sales at conventions, at anime conventions, comic huh. conventions, whatever. Sure. And like alone on the floor at San Diego comic-con to this day, I'm willing to bet you could find boxes of $10 DVDs with Akira on it. Right. <laughs> um, so you have a movie that's being sold three for five, you know, or sorry, three for 15 at boxes and conventions. And you're asking 1999 uh, for a marginally better print. So how do you get around that? And the Akira guys, you know, Jerry Beck and Carl Masaic, uh, put their heads together and decided to give away some animation cells with the purchase of the film, which at the time in 1991, uh, 1991, animation cells were not collectible. Like you could still acquire original Cinderella and Snow White stuff for five, six hundred dollars. And you know, when they hit the States, um, they sent these boxes of cells to comic stores and wherever else. And you got a free cell if you bought the movie. And so I bought a VHS and a laser disc and we didn't have a laser display. Like, we were poor, super, super poor. Yeah. Um, but Taking I, it back, I, baby. Laser disc. Oh, baby. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, when it came out. Yeah. And so I got two cells and I mean, it might as well have been two shots of heroin. It was just. I looked at this art and it was astounding. One was a crowd scene um, at the very beginning when they're going to the protest and they knock over wow. the truck right before that. I love that is one. Close like the up. hose, the hose spray one. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Right before that. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> when, when Kay's dipping in and out of the crowd, it's like right around there. Mm. And the second one was a, uh, 
one of the shots of the sphere coming out of the ground. And that's what really, I was like, what this is, this was painted. What the hell is wrong with these people? Um, (laughs) and it just lit the fire. And then, you know, I would collect at shows. I would buy it at conventions and then eBay shows up and I just bought anything that showed up. I did. It didn't matter. And (laughs) the obsession. it's well, Akira gave me a career. Like it made me want to be an artist and a storyteller. I can't draw. So the next thing was the web. And, you know, in the early days of the web, you know, people were literally handing you $500,000 to spell the word HTML. So it's like money was just growing on trees and I'm 19 (laughs) and irresponsible. And then all of a sudden eBay shows up and it's like a confluence of here's this thing that made me want to do art. Here's their original cells and here's too much money for a 19 year old to ever have in their hands. Why don't (laughs) we put these things together and amass a collection you can't feed yourself with, but one day might be relevant to somebody. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, and that's where the, like, that's where the collection came from. That's where, how, how all this started. And that segues nicely into how I met you and how I met Neil. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if anything, Akira through all the ups and downs, life, life hits you in weird, weird ways. But what's astounding is, you know, in, in troubled times, I can go back to this film and look at it. And there's a piece of me that just remembers when it was, when I was just starting out and trying to figure myself out. And it reminds me of what I really want and what I really want to be. And then I would argue some of the friends I've made through Akira, specifically Akira are some of the best friends I have in my life. You know, Neil being one of them, you being another, um, always consistent, super influential, super inspiring, always amazing to take a look at what, you know, people like yourself and Neil are doing all the time. And it, you know, I don't want to cry in a podcast in the first six minutes or whatever. Cry, we're cry, at. cry. We um, want tears. <laughs> <laughs> Give me two more drinks. I'll get to the tears. And, this is beautiful, man. Look at the smoke. Oh my God. Yeah. And I can, I can get to that level of ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah, I can yeah, sit there and like, good. Back and forwards on that blue, the Blu-ray. God, the quality of the print is oh, just so incredible. good. Yeah, that's a must-have too. If you're listening to this, you don't have a Blu-ray, Blu-ray copy. Um, I highly recommend it. Just just because of experiencing the art in its purest form as much as you can. Um, nothing beats it. You know, it's like looking at a a photo of a Rembrandt on online. Cool. You go and look at the painting. All right, this is a different experience. You know, it's kind of the same. Uh, different disconnection but no I, I love that and it's true and I know you've been through a lot and it's amazing and it's like it's one of those things that I think it lives beyond itself and that's what I think it makes it a masterpiece of being spoken about for so so long after and the passion retains itself like it's it's incredible how about yourself Neil like how did this how did this obsession or this love for Akira start off because I, I I'm not sure if it's an obsession for you necessarily like it is for Joe and I but I'm imagining it probably is so uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say it is yeah okay. um, <laughs> I suppose <laughs> For me, I mean, I suppose my first exposure to the film would have been the fact that watching old skate videos in the early 90s, there was guys who would take clips of Akira and stick them in their video part. Like there was a New Deal video where the uh, guy called Julio de la Cruz started his video part with the the explosion at the beginning of the film. And I was just like, whoa, what's that? Oh, my God, I remember that. (laughs) <laughs> so that would be the first time I ever saw anything Akira related or maybe the, the Michael Jackson, is it, he, he used clips in one of his videos. I think it was a black or white or something like that. Oh, he did, or he huh? used shortcuts. Um, but really my first uh, time I saw was again, I was skateboarding in Scotland and it rained as it does there. So a friend of mine invited me back to his house and stuck on Akira on this little sort of 10 inch across television. 
And I think I sat there stunned in stunned silence for about two hours and then decided it was my favorite film of all time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the end of it, went back to my boarding school and raved about it to everybody. And they all looked at me blankly, yeah. which is something that still happens to this day. But, uh, you know, I, I've, I've basically ever since then, it's been my, my favorite film. And I've tried my best to get all my, my, my friends into it. And, and a lot of them, I think, appreciate it. But uh, not so many uh, uh, to the extent that I do, I suppose. I think it's, it's safe to say. And then, you know, when eBay, uh, I was watching the film maybe, I suppose, 15 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sort of the explosion where Sol's cannon comes d- down out of the sky and uh, when Kaneda's about to drop the rock on Tetsuo. And that one shot made me go, wow, somewhere somebody must have that cell and that must be the coolest thing on earth. So I went onto eBay to see what was available, and I guess that's when I got the sort of collecting bug. And I think if Joe didn't buy it, I probably did. Uh, so for for many years, I was just buying whatever I could or writing to people on sort of the, that website Rubber Slug, where a lot of collectors seem to have, okay. uh, hang around. And, uh, you know, just slowly started collecting from there. Um, but ever since then, I think it's safe to say I watch Akira once every couple of weeks. Wow, and every I'm couple of weeks. something new in it. Yeah, wow. I love it. I can put it on over and over and over again. Uh, and I tend to sort of watch it, I suppose, on sort of multiple levels. You know, you, on one hand, I'm just enjoying the, the storyline, which I've always liked, even though it, you know, some people feel it's very ambiguous towards the end. I've always liked being able to interpret it in different ways. Oh, and uh, cool. But then I also, you know, like you guys, I'm sure, just find myself watching it to spot new details and, and different aspects to, of the film that I hadn't noticed before. And I find that because it's so layered, that you can you can watch it over and over again and always spot something new. So yes. I've always enjoyed that aspect of, of the film. It's never ending. It's never ending. I was just about to say that too, and it's a pr- perfect segue, I think, to for us to get into it. But I, I, I um, I feel the same way, and I was just watching parts of it last night just to get my mind back in the place because I watch it probably every other month or so. I uh, put it on. I usually I got so many things going on, so I'll put it on. And but last night I just threw it on the TV and I just sat there and. Um, there's been a couple moments in my life where I've watched it and it's just heavily influenced. Just It just gave me a, a trajectory and a, and a reason for my art, if that makes sense. And so it's like such a big influence, but no, that's, that's awesome. I love it. This is, this is exactly why we're all here and, and I can't wait to get started. So um, if you're at home, you're listening to this, um, we're watching, we're going to be watching Akira. Obviously that's what this, this whole episode's about. And, um, the baby in the background is Joe. He's just, he's excited and he's ready to get the party going. <laughs> and so, I can't help it. It's, uh, my psychic powers take over and I turn into one. And, this is uh, inner child. Yeah. I, I engulf everyone around me and, and kill them. And it's, it's, it's really a downer at parties, but <laughs> the power of a God is, is hard to with, withhold. So, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about all kinds of great stuff. So you guys could join along with us. We're going to do a countdown. So get your copy of a out um hopefully there's no dust on it and get ready for this it's gonna be an amazing journey we're gonna start the play and i'm gonna do a countdown from five you guys ready 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 neil okay so five four three two one okay here we go and it's playing and that's a kodansha coming up here right is that the kodansha logo which one um this vibrant crazy color beautiful awesomeness yeah, yeah that's um this is 88 too guys so just keep in mind cure committee we should talk about the money that was put into this film and how tomo fronted a bunch of it himself based on the the funds that he had acquired from 
making the masterpiece manga, which is pretty insane. Was it eight million or something like that? Six and a half million, um, yes, which you know. adjusted for inflation would be somewhere around ninety four now. Whoa, <laughs> sheesh! Yeah, yeah and, and 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 from what I remember hearing, it's it, it consumed all the studios out in uh, Japan at the time, right? I mean, it was just yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah. I think they had to work with ten production companies or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and it odd odd fact, um, Akira actually is responsible for the birth of Korean and Indonesian animation because tell me about that. Yeah. All of the high end, you know, the, the studios that would have been making things for like a Disney or whoever were all just slammed. And so during the production of Akira, um, you know, you had Korean animation that was just dirt cheap for things like Thundercats or He-Man or, you know, all those nearly plate glass limited, uh, strange marketing vehicles for toys. Um, they in there and like leveled up like, and, and there is a little bit of Korean on the production package, uh, for Akira cells that went back and forth. So no one or two studios in Korea also were on Akira. Kind of have to. Most, have to. Yeah. Yeah. When I mean, they just, this property, you just have to. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that shot. Excuse me for my uh, language, everybody, but damn, that's yeah. so good. And that title just, it just dominates the frame. It's like, look, you're watching Akira. There's no other, yeah. there's no mistaking it. It's so bald and in your face. And, yeah. I just love the blinky light and that they went and animated that, um, airbrushing the cell to the value of what the light would be frame right. by frame. Yes. There's oh, also ridiculous. There, there's so much yeah. in this, this season in these first shots. Um, you just see like the, the glow. That's one thing that's really great. There's this up, there's this, um, downward shot looking up at the guy at the bar coming up here soon and the glow right there look at that glow i mean it's just like yeah this didn't exist really in my mind um at this level right there like that shot itself is so cinematic it's so cinematic the way it's framed and composed and like that jump cut to the stairs running you know and like there's just so many layers it's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer and i think that's really um for me when i first watched it I, i'd never seen anything like this you know I'd, I'd watched maybe like you know the batman animated series or something um i don't even think that was out back then and when i watched this for the first time i was just like this is insane i couldn't like i couldn't i couldn't believe what i was watching because i was expecting a normal cartoon and yeah. the level it just sucked me in i was like what the heck I mean, it look, still the, does yeah. <laughs> like why a cd jukebox why not a, a a frame with a bunch of song titles on it and the exactly. reason why is because they could yeah exactly and yeah. like why not do a reflective cd reflecting other cds because we're that good at what we do yeah. and it's just it's so astonishing when you look at like so so some things i want to call out very very quickly so that you don't miss them as a viewer at home um you had mentioned um look at the glow i'm not a film student but one thing i do know is that otomo had some very rigid constraints he put on himself and for the film and for the animators um everything had to be composed like like composed and framed as if it was being shot through the lens of a camera yes and they took that very literally meaning certain filters on cameras would cause a haze or, yes. you know, like a polarizing effect or some strange like lens flare. Yeah. There's no camera in animation. Yeah. There's one camera that sits over top of a painting and shoots it. That long exposure, if, all that stuff. Like and, oh, and the, all that, that, uh, uh he did that the in the trail too. Of lights. Yeah, yeah. The long exposure lights. I mean, it just, ah, oh, it's like he was, there were the first people to do yeah. that in my mind. I was like, dude, yeah. yeah. Sorry, and I, I didn't mean to cut you here. off. We're going to be talking over each other all the time. <laughs> I've seen some of your original plates of this too. I think when some of your collection, I just was blown away. Yeah. When you see yeah, the work in person, you're just like, it's just like, now watch, uh, this, watch this. I have to cut you off. I'm sorry. Watch his reaction when he hits the windshield. Yes. 
watch this right now it's it's astounding because it's a human reaction yeah it's it's in this shatters three hits too one two and then here comes the third home run right here boom (laughs) yeah but what's astounding is he didn't flinch when the glass broke like you might see in another cartoon yeah he was a human being it had to break first he had to register that it broke and then he had to flinch Flinch so it's a very delayed reaction and i know i remember that being a critique from some people that like why in the world like that seems very stupid but no imagine the windshield breaks yeah no it's perfect everything is intentional that guy's face the weight of his legs falling back i mean it's all that stuff the framing when he comes in the push yeah it's insane that's ridiculous (laughs) so you know (laughs) why are you animating lens flare and and neil you're you have a a point here that i just learned tonight there was a point just there where there's a I saw a guy on Reddit had sort of freeze framed as a guy drove through the debris in the in the alleyway, yeah. and there's actually sort of human sure. limbs in amongst the garbage. <laughs> so it's like somebody had murdered somebody and left them in a dumpster there. <laughs> the and as you go through all that stuff, all these body parts are flying through the air, which you you don't miss unless you pause it. In the, these are there. the layers. <laughs> these are the layers I think that we subconsciously see or experience or feel. Uh, but they're they're just there, and I think because um, you know the the animation is going by so fast, we're going to be talking over each other. Sorry, guys, but it's like there's so much going on, there's so much to be said. But just with the animation, the, the difference from animation to uh, live action is you can't slow the action down; it just happens as it goes. But with animation, you could sit there and meditate and think about it. And, and I think Otomo is a master chess player. He really is. He's a massive Kubrick fan. He's a master storyteller. You know the way he sets everything up, into the storytelling, all that stuff. He's thinking about it as a chess player and you know, he's battling your subconscious to own you, you know, through this experience. I mean, these cuts and these shifts and everything, um, the yeah. colors, everything, the colors are so dominant in this, in this film. You just watch. That's one of the things colors. I've always loved about it. Yeah. It sort of feels very sort of off its time, that sort of neon eighties sort of color palette. Yes. And they say it had sort of, I think something like 237 colors oh, of which yeah, 50 or was... so were created just for the film. So good. Yep. It's uh, so Tune Vinyl was the dominant uh, provider of paint for cells. You can use acrylics, but you need like high tensile vinyl, and they had to mix and produce colors that didn't exist yet. Um, <laughs> after so being cool. in business for like you know forty five, fifty years, providing to people like Disney, because Atomo had yeah. so many different palettes based on the lighting structure and where they were in the film. And, you know, it's it's all color theory. It's um, if, if you do any color theory work, you understand, like, there is no black in nature. There's just opposites. And so when the sun's shining, the shadow isn't gray. It's a tone of blue. And that blue lays on green and creates a certain look and all those things. So this film is filled with of, it. Filled with it. Yeah. Just, just cut uh, it everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. How that that one sequence where he's like, you know, we were seeing him um, loss of blood and the double twin triple vision, you know, like. Yeah, that's never. I did. I don't think that's ever been done before. This film. Look at the actions. The the can that fell over. The the dogs animating. I remember like, this one shot right here. This drawing of this guy always reminded me to think. It made me think that this was coming from multiple different studios with different hands because that guy in that car looks different from other. Because you know how long long this production was. There's so many yeah. different hands at it. Yeah. Um. That that like, felt kind of like Kawajiri style almost in a sense. Kind of like a. Running Man, like the Running Man short that Kawajiri did a long time ago. Like, yeah, yeah. It kind of had that feel in there. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he had his hand in some capacity yeah. or like some of his like underlings or something. But yeah, look at all Certainly the detail when there. You, when uh, you look at all the, <laughs> when you look at the actual cells from different cuts of the film, you can see the same character looking quite different. So yes, yeah. there's some artists who seem to be able to draw Tetsuo 
in a way that looks significantly more refined than others. Yes. Uh, you can certainly see the different hands of various artists across the work. Towards the end, you can start to see it kind of fall apart a little bit. I mean, not saying anything bad about it, because I absolutely still love it and agree it's one of the best things ever made. But um, it's kind of interesting. There's some scenes and some parts where you're just like, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember reading in one of the books that Otomo, when he pitched the idea of doing this to his producer, he showed him like a painting of an outside of that bar. And the producer was like laughed at him. He's like, you're crazy. This will never be done. Because <laughs> like, he was like, I want to make uh, an anime, but I want it to be this level. And he would show him like a beautiful gouache hand-painted Otomo masterpiece. And he was like, how, how is this? Oh, there's a young shirt too. Just a little a side note. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. it is. Yeah, the young shirt. Because uh, if you're not aware, Otomo got his, like what, cut his teeth doing stuff at uh, on the Young, young magazine. magazine. Yeah, yeah, that's where it kind of it birthed and... Um, there's a little homage to it by a guy in the crowd wearing a young sweater, which I think is great. This moment too, when I was watching it for the first time on VHS, uh, with my aunt, my aunt Tess showed me Akira <laughs> for the first time. It was Akira, then Ghost in the Shell, one, two punch basically in my brain. And then I was like, okay, hey, I was, I was done. <laughs> so there's one of the very few errors in this film. Mm. Um, the blood from the terrorist is supposed to be laying on the ground, but Takashi's head moves behind it ah. and the blood is just floating out there in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, it's, and, I didn't notice that's, that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I've never noticed that either. There's a few spots that, you know, when you look through like the catalog of sales cells and you have like a whole scene you can dig through, you can find little spots like that where um, in post pro they found little mistakes and they had to go back and reanimate. Ah. And because they put this film together, I mean, you're talking about uh, one second after Marvel. One second. <laughs> oh man, that's it's amazing! Uh, all of that glass, <laughs> all like, of that, all, all that, all, all that of depth that of focus. A lot uh, of that thing I love too is you mentioned the camera use of a camera, and and Otomo, um, he's a big film fanatic, and he's a massive Kubrick fanatic too. I know that from just reading what I've known about him. And if you notice, his camera lenses, the lenses that he uses oftentimes in the manga. And in here are, are long lenses or telephoto lenses. It basically flattens everything out, which is like almost all of these shots. I mean, this is this is somewhat of a wide shot because you're capturing a smaller environment and trying to take it all in. But for the most part, most of this uh, and the entire thing is 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 a telephoto lens. It's it's quite flat and it's beautiful though because the way that they create parallaxing is like look at that. I mean, <laughs> the oh parallaxing of the buildings. Right here, yeah. you know? It's just like, uh, you know, to be a kid and, and to sit there, you, you know, for, I think for people, maybe, maybe I'm dating us, but like, you know, if you're growing up without this kind of stuff, but if you, you know, before the internet, before all this stuff, there was this, and this is what we experienced. And when you're sitting there for the first time watching something like this, you're just kind of like, okay, what the hell is going on here? It's like, look at that layers of detail there too. You know, if you're an inquisitive mind, curious or interested in art and in some, some kind of capacity, this will completely spellbind you. I don't care who you are. Just Yeah, just, and it's yeah. it's weird to, like, I can only imagine what it would be like to be 2017 and have your first secure experience because oh, wow. now you have this, in the last 30 years, a, a, a massive leap in technology and in... Um, you know, animation technology specifically, and you look at Akira. I think it's gotten you better. You can though. tell. Yeah. Oh no, it's only gotten better, and it's yeah, like it because of all this. Yeah, it's it's all hand painted. It's immaculately animated. It's immaculately shot. Immaculately colored, painted, and you can tell each of these scenes is hand hand painted. Yeah. And there's a marvel to that now because you're like, wait, hold on, who the hell could afford <laughs> to pay 87 key illustrators and animators and over 200 animators to make a movie for two and a half hours? Like it, it, 
Yeah. I just genuinely believe unless like Warren Buffett got a bug up his ass and just decided to commission it himself. This will never Please, happen. Please Warren. I know Warren's a fan of the collective podcast. So you're hearing us now. So <laughs> <laughs> come on, Warren, do us, a, uh, do us a solid and just like sneeze us a couple mil. We'll be fine. So there you go. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a good time to bring up the fact that like when uh, you do the math, this is like, where they just seem to be oh, showing oh. off. Uh, this is that slow mo. I was like, you guys are just showing off. That 120. That's, that's another thing, dude. They're using 120 FPS. They're like shifting the timing, you know? Like, and they're not doing it animation wise, yeah. but they're basically that, slowing time. That was the, this whole that shot, was the moment that made me love Akira. Like, oh, man. All of it. Everything. I was smitten uh, at the freaking, the first freaking big Akira on the sign. I was like, what? <laughs> I, right there, right there, yeah. where he runs into Takashi is the first time yeah. I have to pause the film when I do the talk yeah. because they have this elastic shot as if it's on a helicopter and it's you've seen sports games where like the quarterback throws the ball and the camera gets faked out and then all of a sudden they go back and he's handing it off to someone yeah um that just happened in this film yeah the motorcycle's going and it's it's going too fast for the camera to track it's so it's tracking tracking and then he runs to takashi right and the camera pulls too far and then slings back and it has this elastic effect yeah this is animation yeah they are 100 percent control when they paint all of this and they did that anyway yeah yeah uh, I think a lot of it comes from the master creator. You know, a lot of this is coming from Otomo's genius, to be honest. You look at a Kubrick film, you feel the genius behind it. The the master chess player in my mind, you know, naturally a master, you know, and I think a lot of it's coming from Otomo, but I think obviously his team as well, he's engaged it. But without this, the amazing subject matter of the, um, what's 2000 page manga? Is it about 2000 pages? or so 1600 pages 1600 okay so i embellished a little bit but still that's insane but you know with that source material that kind of fidelity and refinement and that edge i think that's one thing that i notice is really lacking more than ever nowadays in the entertainment we have it's just so like popcorn just you know throwing like disposable rotation shot (laughs) yeah that that's so hard to do in animation so hard uh there's another one when when tetsuo is getting scanned and and yeah, that's right. They, there's one where the, one right. of the clown bikers is going down the street just a minute or two ago, where it's rotating around. Yes, the, the, the biker as uh, well. So, so hard, yeah, so it's, hard. It's that Spike Lee Mo Better Blues like rotation shot that's just like so legendary, and even <laughs> that was re- like innovative in film. Yeah, and oh, that he's light doing reveal. <laughs> when you introduce uh, that character and you do it like that, there's no better way. How you you, oh, know, no. you, you yeah. open a door and you make his face blue and green, and you just light it up from underneath, and you just turn him into this like monolithic god you know which he is and especially in the manga there's a different there's a quite a differentiation that happens um between his character especially i think in the manga and in comparison but i mean his main his main his main focus is quite the same but you know he goes off it goes it it gets really quite crazy towards the end there when they do the whole uh akira revolution and all that kind of stuff in the actual manga but i I actually personally i I find them both to be completely amazing and brilliant and i love them both for different reasons and i don't think one's better than the other to be completely honest i think they're this is an amazingly perfectly adapted (laughs) part of that um but i think it's because you're coming from the again the genius of otomo and the and and it's coming from the source material you know this isn't this isn't more or less sort of create the storyboards himself like he basically did the entire storyboard storyboard of the movie and it more or less stayed true to that throughout so have those books i think the singular vision (laughs) and the fact that he kept all the hard edges on it yeah what really kept it made it so special 
Yeah, I think you see that with I think as Oshi did that too with Ghost in the Shell. You think you boarded out the whole thing, and I think that Alien uh, with Ridley Scott, he boarded out Alien. And I think yeah. there, you need a director like that. You do. You need directors like I'm sorry if people are going. Oh no, it's, I think you do when you're doing this stuff that's this complex and this big. You need a director that can really get in there and either hire somebody to do it, but do it themselves. Maybe get that singular vision. Because you know oh, they, they, they live it right there. Ugh. That push pull and look at the colors again. The mastery of colors: blues and oranges. You get those contrasts. And just you get the those... textures as well. Oh, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. everything is cracked or chipped or nothing is sort of simple. No, nope. like the floor, for instance, in that shot. Yeah. Everything is sort of there's so much going on. And then you can feel that vinyl color, the vinyl next to him again, opposed to the metal. Look at this painting yeah. alone. I mean, dude, I think <laughs> Joe, you showed me that painting in person. I was like. I mean, it's like it almost brings tear to your eyes. It really does. It's just so good, you know. So I imagine somebody that's listening to this and not a fan is going to be like so annoyed by our excitement. But if you <laughs> screw you, you get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> for you're people that love it, and you're not a fan of Akira. You press play on the wrong file. I think. Yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> go, go jump off something. I don't care. <laughs> no, like, you're not a fan. You're not. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of you. So there you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, this is this, this sequence too. The wood floor. I mean, the, the, the freaking gym floor. Like you can tell they commandeered the the school to try and like run through all these rebels and find them in mass and yes how prescient is that too I don't want to get political at all but look at our current condition and seeing how things are kind of t- like popping off and you know you look at what Atoma forecasted in Akira you know with some of the you know social unrest and all those things during rebuilding and then you see news footage of what happens at you know rallies and so on and so forth and how they bring everyone in in mass and they pro- you know process them just like this yeah and our, this our, was done in you know 88 <laughs> yeah. so it's art, kind of art nice. imitates reality and reality imitates art almost in a sense, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling thing. There was a, there was a really great sequence that happened between uh, Kaneda and the old man, I guess we'd call him, uh, you know, that cut back between Kaneda being the leader and red. And, and again, notice again, there's all these cues. Look at, look at, look at her color. She's tied to him, you know, visually. So you're, the way mm. that they're using colors, look at the, the bomb is orange. When is the last time you saw a bomb orange? Bombs yeah. aren't orange, <laughs> but they are yeah. in this, you know. And look at everybody else is gray and monochrome, but while he is gray, but the bomb is orange, you know. And all these the color cues, color in this film is is really well considered. It's it's almost overly heavy done, but at the same time, it's like it. Look at her, look at her, and look at him. Look at the difference, you know. Yeah. Like, look at them and and watch the blood as it pulls. That's another one. It's like, oh yeah. man, look at that blood. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So another thing that's also worth mentioning is the respect Atomo has as a storyteller for their for the audience. I mean, you have yes. you have a grenade. It didn't go off. Now you have a guy yeah. in skin. He's like sniffing it and looking at it. And he's like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and this joke doesn't go off, pardon the pun, for another minute and a half. Yeah. But when that joke goes off, you're like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. And it's like, and the, I think that that was part of the love I had for Akira, especially the older I got, the more I watched it, was this was the first animation I ever saw that was a movie mm. that wasn't a movie length cartoon. It was an actual film. It was a story that had a beginning, middle end. It had narrative plot, three act, you know, story. And it was just immaculately told. And it was done so with respect, not to the box office, but to the viewer. Yeah. And 
I think that that was missing, not just lacking, but missing in America's cinema. There, you know, even you have things like, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there has to be some cartoonish element to it <laughs> in order to appeal to an audience because, of course, it's animated, so it has to be for kids. Yeah. If it's animated and for adults, it's box, box office poison, right? Yeah. And for Akira to come out and just be this serious story with a lot of gravity and a lot of weight, but still humor and still, you know, jokes. And there's a little bit of lightweightness to it and some dark humor here and there. Uh, That's so good. So good. I, I want to say too, um, I've, I remember reading somewhere that Otomo would get criticized for drawing like non hot, typical Japanese, like hot women with like big, oh, t- yeah. big tits and all that stuff. I love, I love Kay. Uh, her, she's a natural beauty. And I love the way he naturally draws her just kind of as this, badass you know here comes that joke you know right back yeah exactly there you go boom (laughs) yeah and i love how he hits around like you cold hearted bitch you know like how he does that (laughs) and it just right when he does that arm fist in the air and boom the blows up you know and it just opens up their relationship which is um volatile but at at times very necessary especially in the manga which is great too and all these little ties to and i think when you watch master storytellers like steven spielberg and stuff they do a lot of those kind of things where they're hinting at what the character's after with little subjective, little like um, sub- subconscious little things that you don't notice until you watch later. But your mind, actually, when you consume these things, you 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 your mind consumes a lot uh, more than you can think about it because yeah. you don't go in through you until you process it later. And as we're talking and doing this, and you're watching it later on, if you've only seen this film a couple of times, you're probably gonna get like inundated with all this this, this stuff that we're gonna be sending you, but. For the most part, when a really smart film director or creator or art illustrator or artist, like all this stuff too, it's like, oh, this stuff <laughs> Sorry, was actually done just, by Otomo. Yeah, wasn't this it? is this one of the particular few... sequence he directed it. Oh, yeah, well, he didn't, no, he, he didn't just direct it, he drew some of this. He yeah, did the keyframes oh, for oh. this. Is one of two sequences in the film that Otomo himself actually drew the key, oh, the right. keyframes for. Yeah, color again, mm-hmm. color. We went from we went from the green to the blue, the now into the red. Um, yeah, this room. Um, I, I, I'm so bad with names. I've watched it so many times, but I always forget his name, our doctor's name. So bad the doctor. Names. Yeah, the doctor. He has a name, doesn't yeah. he? Is this doctor no, he's guy? the doctor. Yeah, he's just the doctor. Okay, I thought for some yeah. reason there he had a name, and I thought there was that you had one. In, I'm pretty sure you had one in the manga, but I can't, I can't forget. So, but I yeah, love the, the, the I, lighting. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at um, the the the, the, is, the 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 effects that they used for that is just insane for that time too, because it was uh, yeah. CGI back then, right? They used computer. No, yeah, you know? there wasn't. No, there's there's no CGI in this film at all. Um, it's all light something. projection and overlay. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. So, so that is the one of two instances of non hand painted stuff. The other one being the taillights from the bikes. Ah. Um, all right. What about the signs are, though? The signs, the 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 flowing like uh, LED. No, signs all of those are airbrush. Oh, yeah, man, that's insane. Yeah, all of that was airbrush, and um, <laughs> so I mean, when you talk about airbrush, now you're talking about the third dimension of thickness yes. of paint in order to translate <laughs> and you know, consistency that, that over and over. Yeah, because yeah. it's so inconsistent because you're dealing with like opacities um, skewing off from zero to 100. And it's not, if you go from one frame to the other, it's going to bounce because you're not going to be perfectly feathered as the last frame was, which is insane. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. That's really, really crazy. I love the retro future, too. Like all of Otomo's work just has that retro future. And at the time, too, I th- you think uh, 
Blade Runner was out. Um, obviously, um, Sid Mead, and we had all these like you know those art giants. We'll talk about Mobius, especially later on. That shot in general too, how flat he looks. It's always always kind of like cracks me up because his face is so flat when they come up over yeah. it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just insane. All this stuff. Yeah. You know? So you mentioned Sid Mead. It's kind of interesting the Akira Blade Runner connection. So yeah, there's tons um, of it. This is their influence. That was the world they were living in. Heavy metal. Um, you know, all that stuff was out. It was prevalent. It was big part of culture you know yeah but the thing is what's funny is akira started before sid mead um did the art direction for blade runner oh, well i guess Deere. well it started it and, started yeah 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 so the spinners like the spinner taxis and then some of the other stuff all influenced by Atomo, and Atomo was influenced by Sid Mead during his ad campaigns for Honda back oh. in the like mid mid 70s perfect so the two have such a respect for one another Masters. when you look at like Blade Runner and its influence on Akira and vice versa, it's impossible to say who influenced who because they both influenced each other. Yes. It's astounding. Yes. Yeah. And this is before the day of the internet where you can just Google Sid Mead and get influenced by him. This is like when you would have to get like a, a random magazine with some of his art in there somehow randomly, you know, like sometimes it was mostly like advertising that. art too. Like Atomo exactly. and Sid both cut their teeth on advertising art. And yeah. like Atomo was not doing serialized fiction or, or sequential fiction until Domo. Domo. So, or Domo. And Domo, yeah. he was doing, you know, Nissan cartoons to advertise noodles, you know? Yeah. And when Young took a chance on it with Domo and people loved it. Domo's the best. And they, yeah, oh, it's, it's a great story. If you've never read Domo, yeah, that's my highly favorite. recommended. That's, yeah. that's my, that, my number one list of a, of, a, of a property that I would love to actually do properly in film because i feel like it translates so perfectly to film that is, oh man it could it's be a, a netflix series tomorrow oh it's and, so and good. look at this sequence would, right here look yeah. at the reflection so good yeah you, that's so hard you know, to animate a hospital without even showing it you know it's just, it's ridiculous sterile like, and clean yeah yeah and 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 the repetitive nature of things too um you know like look at the repetitive nature the, the dutch angle right there the cutting the frame kind of slightly off it's you know it's like are running again yeah like Yes. Same running Cutting cycle just it. outside. Exactly. Yeah. But, but just then the amount go, of detail in a laundromat yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah. Look at the nobody would take that <laughs> much time in a laundromat. The machine. Yeah. <laughs> and then what, look, sorry, what yeah. she leaves the as she leaves the pink room, she's going into the darkness where she meets, you know, Tetsuo. So the, think about all the color. The color theory in this film is, is brilliant. It's all intentional. The green, remember how when green comes up, the last time we saw him in green, he was running through the halls and he was getting scanned. So, like, think about all the color, how the color connects with everything. Why is and that thing red? And, yeah, exactly. Ugh. The, yeah. yeah. This is, this is but, but even the one of the things we were talking about yesterday is that even the music has a lot of sort of symbolism in it. Where yeah. yeah. I think a lot Music's of people amazing. think of the instrumentation in Kaneda, the song during the, the bike battle, is, is Japanese, but a lot of the instrumentation is actually Indonesian yeah. to imply that globalization is bringing cultures, Asian cultures together. Mm. So, there's all sorts of things going on that. Um, I think are quite, in, as you say, very well considered yeah. to try and sort of create the world that, uh, that the film is set. Talk about music too. That scene uh, always kind of threw me off because the music cue is so weird. It was like, yeah. it sounded like a carnival, like with clowns or something. I was like, it always yeah. was like, what is going on here? That was the one thing that kind of threw me off. I started noticing music more there. Obviously, the music in here is very masterfully done. It's incredibly. I, I think it was a was a school teacher or something like that that composed it. I can't remember. Yeah, Tinio. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, he's a he's a music teacher. Music teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And I love that, like, all these little clown cues, too, like clown, clown, clown everywhere. And they brought back the Star Bowling as the headquarters, which you don't even see until, like, book three of Akira. Which I love, right? Yeah, like, that that callback to the actual connecting the manga to the anime, which is awesome. Um, Yeah. Freaking Kaneda's bike. So good. Yeah, dude. And it's also (laughs) kind of like, I... I realized this, but I didn't say anything earlier that you are, we're watching a copy with the, um, the pioneer dub, right? We all selected the pioneer dub. And I think that that's interesting because in my brain, all I can hear is that streamlined dub with, you know, Cam Clark yelling, you know, Tetsuo and like all the, all the craziness and like the non sequiturs that make no sense at all yeah. anywhere. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm watching this and it's almost like a new experience. Cause I only watch that dub maybe once every few years, mm. the, like this dub. This, I figured, I figured this would probably be the play. one that would be most easily accessed for people. And if anything, I'm oh, hoping yeah. that we'd convert more people to loving this film than anything. Yeah. So, and yeah. this is the part where like, like gratuitous violence really oh, yeah. with your dad too. Yeah. That yeah. slow-mo to it and punched her in the face so bad. Uh, and she just oh, falls yeah. right on her face. And I, and it's so interesting to see him and where his values lie. Cause he's like, don't touch that bike. You know, he just literally punched his girlfriend out and he's caring yeah. about the bike more. It just goes to show like how messed up these youth are, you know, like really yeah. just disconnected from reality, you know, which is like, and what's funny is really like, you dark. can actually tell like he's of more afraid of Canada than yeah, he is yeah. of the bike getting hurt. Yeah. He's afraid of Canada, but he's also like, it's, it's so much conflict going on here and the yeah. violence that un- unfolds here. Oh, the ribbon. Look at the background too. Um, the grays. Yeah, this the is colors. always one of the, the classic yeah. shots. Action, right that, action that's just like, Bam. you know, the Wachowski brothers, you know, would would be influenced by obviously, you know, slow-mo and doing these massive moves and shifting time and doing these like crazy things that only really works in animation properly, you know. Oh, that violence. Oh, so much violence. <laughs> So much violence. That's right. This this thing is just even even chock full of violence. Even though there's a lot going on uh, on the screen, there's still bother to sort of animate, they'll draw things like cigarette butts on the pavement and things yeah. like that. Yeah, well, the background just yeah. when you're actually looking it up close. Yeah, yeah. I think that's there's, there's there's layers to watch this film, right? There's layers to listen to the music. There's layers to listen to the story. There's layers to watch the actual cell animation. Then there's layers to just look at the the um the background art because there's different teams, right? Background artists typically yeah. won't be doing cell animation so no. the background guys are like you know let me just paint this scene and when you're getting in there to that much that much detail you're basically creating you know your own fiction basically you know you're like mm, yeah. okay well maybe there's like a board up here because they this is a closed part or whatever and you're just kind of living in that fantasy world you know oh uh, when you when you rewatch so the film when you're watching in the opening sequences and you see all those windows in the city mm. um pause especially during the the that weird neon um holographic advertising area yeah and yeah. look through each of those windows there's yeah. a story going on in each window for so peace sake it's like there, so there's good. posters on walls and the lighting is different in this chunk than it is on the other uh, so good it's it's so wild and look at the, the lack of shake. attention he gave the that background yeah has yeah. no detail in it because they wanted you to focus on tetsuo's face yeah yeah, yeah. cutting back and forth and that camera shake too which is incredible the way he yeah. moves how fast he moves his uh his hands and his arms and then the 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 um what do we call that like that slow-mo effect that shifting of lens uh not the lens but it's like a uh, it's like a frame rate exchange, I guess you call that, but so good. So good as he's moving. Ah, yes. It's amazing that so many of the, what looks like camera techniques are actually animation techniques. Yeah. So there's, there's the blurred vision earlier on was sort of uh, actually, I've seen drawings of that background. I think Kadanja have it and you, it's all actually there on the background. And similarly, yeah. with, 
when when um, Tetsuo stood up there and there was a sort of a tracer effect behind him. Mm. Again, it wasn't a camera technique. It's, it was all drawn on the cell. That's so crazy to really preconceive that as a can. Like it's just, again, it's just a it's a pure sign. I think it's probably crazy to us because we live in the day and age of like CGI and we rely so heavy on CGI. Like just to think that you would hand draw this stuff is just yeah. I love that move right there. Boom. We just, yeah, yeah you're just a kid. And, and, to, and this whole time we were thinking, wow, Kaneda is kind of a superhero, especially that bike move that he did with kicking like the clown. And, you know, he was facing the Joker head on. This guy just like brushes him off. Like he's no big bit, no nothing. You know, it's the first time yeah. I think that we see Kaneda's like mortality by done by another human, which is just bluntly like, get out of here, kid. This is yeah, great. This was symbolism. showing off as well. Symbolism. I cannot believe they did that. I remember just yeah. symbolism. I couldn't believe they bothered to draw the the ribbon like that or the the bandage and how it moves to uh, Kaneda's bike too. You know the symbolism again, subliminal symbolism everywhere through this entire film. Yep. This composition. I mean, why are we shooting? Looking up here at these guys, you know. And, Look in the windows. Look right yeah. here. Look in the windows. Yeah. There's a story in each one of those buildings. It's ridiculous. Good. Where's Waldo? All over the place. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah, I love their hairdos too. Um, that pompadour kind of hairdo. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's so like it? 80s. It's so it's so fish out of like water. Shibuya and and fashion district and oh, it's so pretty. I love it. Yeah. So good. And, and, and there we go. Here's an explosion, and yeah. here comes Kay again. You know, action. She comes out of she. she you know, she's the catalyst of action. So without her, he's kind of like a kind of a punk ass teen. But she gives him the purpose, you know, and the reason, and gets him to discover by being, you know, by using his best interest of, you know, of being attracted to her. Yeah, so good. Yeah, that's that's an element of the storytelling that I love. I love diving into is that. K in the story is a conduit for psychic energy and the yeah. the telepaths are able to use her. Narratively, she's the conduit for all of the action. Like, everything. Yeah. Everything she, it flows through her. She's yeah. the catalyst. She is. She is and the catalyst for the entire thing. It, yeah. It's weird for him, not weird, but really kind of a big revelation storytelling wise when you realize that he's got this double layer for each character. Like you look at the colonel. Especially in the manga, but in this movie, some too, the Colonel's the only character that doesn't change his arc throughout the entire storyline. When the cataclysm takes place, he's the pole around which good and evil rotates, and it gives a whole new dynamic to him of like, yeah, he's been the pursuer. He's not quite the antagonist, but he's the pursuer throughout this movie. He's, He's been the chase. Then all of a sudden things go south, and he becomes this thing around which everything rotates and he's the pole. He's the fixture. He's the, the solid core matter in all the chaos. Yeah. Oh God, that lens flare on the flashlight. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the smoke too. Um, that, yeah. That, that camera that angle. Look at how they look at, he didn't set the camera angle split horizontally. He put him off Kelter looking <sighs> up at him, all that stuff, that camera shake right there. Um, the animation of the water when he comes down to get her, Get, get him that's awesome you know like this yeah. uh, force perspective is incredibly hard to draw like when you're in you're animating a around a character giving them three dimensions is really difficult to do um fluid liquids uh that's incredibly hard to do Some explosions multiple yeah. explosions um gravity oh. gravity is incredibly hard the explosions to do. are pretty much the star of the show for me yeah. i've always thought that they were always one of the things that stood out yeah. throughout you know every viewing is like you know i don't know how they did them so smoothly so much there's so much what's funny is like for these for you it's the explosions for me it's the smoke 
<laughs> and Perfect. it's like the explosions are phenomenal because I love physics in general, but the smoke physics and then later in the film, the hose, when the hose is flopping all over the place, yeah. those physics are what really got me. <laughs> and this whole thing right here is another one that Otomo did. Um, uh, yeah. Anything with that machine, he did some of that. And then back, um, baby. Yeah. And that look at that cast, that, that yeah. hazy cast he puts on everything and well, the memory, all the soft right? colors he uses. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Look at that framing there you, too. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the framing of that other shot before too. We're not outside with them. We're watching them from the inside, looking out as their frame caught in the window of that entry point. You know, yeah. and then we see. Look at the sky and the colors and the mood and the tone and look at the the mannerisms and stuff. And then hey, right here, look at the city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, some, some Terminator going on here too. So yeah, um, this oh, bit so was amazing from an animation perspective. I never understood how they managed to pull this bit off with all the cracks running through the shadows. Yeah, yeah, so good. And I love his hand. He put his hand up. And look at how the lines look. They go right to his feet. The nightmare comes open. Look at his hands. is disappearing, reaching out. And, and, and what is it? What is he telling us here? You know, yeah. he's, 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 is, he, is, he, is he afraid that he's losing his best friend? Is, is his purpose? Is he growing, accelerating? It's also like a coming of age story in a really rich, interesting way. If we were to come in age to be a god, you know, which is you know, really quite an interesting topic. So yeah, uh, I um, love her. She's one of my favorites. The Esper. She's awesome. She's uh, the colors. And again, are amazing in the sequence, the bright pink. There's amazing. They're so good. And look at that blue clashing against that red pink, (laughs) you know, and look at her just kind of, it's, she's, I just want to hang out with her. Ask her some questions. <laughs> yeah, some, I love the long fingernails and that they're painted too. Like, yeah, it it tells so much how much care they give these these because they're not children. That's the no, funny thing. Yeah, like, not, yeah, yeah, they're all you know sixty years old. <laughs> yeah, according to the math of the book, and so they give them like if you've ever been to a, a like a managed care facility or something for people who are older that level of care and attention they give them and the autonomy they try to let them have. That's what I see here. I'm like, it, it's sad, but also amazing in a way of like, no, they still daily put lipstick on this little, you know, this this young looking kid type person yeah. and give her some measure of like, here's a life. Yeah. But the other side is the, the visible part of the story that always fascinates me. If they're 60 years old, why are they living in a nursery? And it's because they don't have a choice. Like yeah. Yeah. they they were put in here, you know, because they look like children. And so people built this thing that made them feel like children. And in some ways they kind of still are, but it's really creepy to see all those wrinkles and the age. I love it. And and the body. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's. Oh, so did you cool. notice on the side of the machine it says "do shit"? Yeah, I um, remember seeing that closely. Yeah, yeah. I, I analyzed that frame because I ended up it's building it. It's a little to do list. It says "do shit." Yeah, it's, do shit. Yeah, <laughs> another little like the language, little. By the way, oh, it's okay, guys. It's like, I think people who are watching Akira understand that there's some violent language that happens every once. Oh, and all of that, that like, smoke, like, all that smoke, oh, and yeah. look how it's framed too. Look at the left of the frame is completely black. The how he pans mm-hmm. down. I mean, look at the weight. They I, all kind of shook as it fell. You know, like. Yeah, five people putting jackets on at the same time you don't need to do and there's a guy in that control room by the way yeah there is um, yeah there's gonna be, yeah. i'm gonna warn you now there's there's a moment where i'm gonna spaz the hell out good um, do it. You, guys, <laughs> you guys are gonna freak out and i will tell you when it's coming because normally i would pause the film because it only is on screen for two frames but it's to me another one of those testaments of what makes this film so great so these cityscapes all these buildings and that level of detail you can see straight through the windows and vertical pan right. shots like 
all of that is amazing. Yeah. But it's the tiniest little things that drive me nuts, the little hidden stuff in each scene. Because if you were shooting this and you were on location and in a facility where there was security monitoring and stuff, there would be people in the booth. Yeah. If you're if you're shooting this in Atlanta down an elevator, there's stuff in the windows. Look in every one of those windows. Yeah. Going yeah, down and, and looking at the lighting down and, and everything. We were looking I mean, at the doctor just... and we looked up to the colonel and colonel. God, yeah, yeah. We we look it up to him and we're seeing the shift in the parallaxing of the buildings behind us based on the ratio of the camera moving up. It's crazy. And that's just they could have they could have communicated. The they were going the sequence. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The ice that cracks off uh, the right doorway. There too. Uh, look at that. Yeah, this is just showing off because they could speed any of this up. They could fade uh, it out. They're, they're building I mean, an up. elevator. Yeah, and an elevator going down slowly yeah. is just creepy. It builds tension. The fog coming and out so, of breath, everything. Oh, yeah. The the starting sequence and then all the lines, all this stuff is so oh, so pretty. Layered, yeah. layered. And the smoke coming off the feet. Um the composition right here. Uh I love this part too when he's talking to the the doctor about it and just kinda like, you know, harnessing the god and, and you know you know like we forgot about it and like all these you know his internal struggles basically wanting he's going down here to connect with why he's doing what he's doing basically you know why is it that he's chasing this or why Ugh. is he like fighting for this civilization that's just caught up in bureaucracy and bullshit you know like why okay. yeah boom and it's start amazing, up like, to, uh, oh, dun, 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 here we go yeah <laughs> and it you shows know. all the vents and like where all the control panels are and so uh so retro so good oh so pretty and it's that neat like it still feels like the future when you look at it right now yeah even though it's not a single touch screen among them like you know it's so <laughs> Uh, and uh, all of that, look at fantastic. what it would cost to build a Dewar wall chamber and, you know, absolute zero to keep a body in there, you yeah. know, <laughs> under, under, underground too, underneath the, uh, the, uh, what's the Olympics? Is that where we're, they, where we're at right now? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. They're underneath the Olympic stadium. And yeah. apparently what they're doing at the right moment in-, in Tokyo, because they've got the new stadium being built for the 2020 Olympics. So their projection sort of sequences of Akira on the exterior of the stadium yeah. because of the fact that the film correctly guessed somehow that the olympics would be in tokyo uh, <laughs> at that time and underneath the stadium is uh, akira he's under, under there just hanging out so yeah yeah they, they really wanted to go the whole nine so they cut a child into pieces and buried it in a cryo chamber <laughs> under the uh, you know, it's a very japanese stadium uh, thing to do i think is that yeah, they don't do things by halves a common thing that you find. Oh, in, look at look at this too. By the way, they're in a shitty hovel. You know how I know? Not only is it covered in crap, all the doorknobs are brass. Mm. They're crappy, yeah. like apartment building doorknobs. They're yeah. not hand levers. They're not hard locks. They're not push button. Nothing. No, they're just and, and all the pipes and the weird lighting and there's like that. You know, is that our direction? Uh, yeah, yeah. Really I didn't true. mean to cut you off. I apologize. No, no, no. no it's good. No, we're going to be doing this the whole thing because we're excited and we love this film. So don't apologize. Yeah. It's great. Um, one other thing I was going to say about the subject matter of things and 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 um, a lot of anime and manga I've n- noticed um, from Japan is you know a bigger <laughs> evil coming to attack. You know, and kind of like a Attack on Titan or like you know the bomb of Akira and stuff. You know, and so, and, and really, it's kind of the subconscious I think from all the wars and the violence and stuff that Japan has either um you know opened up and instigated or have been a part of dealing with you did, know so oh, did you see it's... the key card slide across the crack table and little yeah, bits and the of the table flew yeah. up yeah 
Yeah, and look at look at the look at the dim. Look how he's dimmed out too. Like that's like the greatest smoke coming from the cigarette. Yeah, and it dims out too. And the 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 light haze, the glow from up top, and how he's out of um, focus. Look at that light. Like, why would they do the light that's going past there? You know, like that's why did they break some of those slats and then maintain that continuity? Because it's like the other thing is, and you as a filmmaker know. Uh, and that's real judo, by the way. He actually yeah. like, wrist locks, braces yeah. his wrist. This is so good. Um, and the gun they hold to his head there, you can see the serial number on the gun when you look oh, at the cell itself. Ridiculous. Yeah. So good. <clears throat> I lost my point. I that was going to say something, but... Um, the filmmaking? I don't, I don't, it was something about, like, in filmmaking, some of the visual storytelling that takes place. But I, I lost my, my point on okay. what I was trying to say. So Oh, continuity, the cigarette problem. Uh, it's yeah. a very well-known editing issue that when you light a cigarette on film, oh, the yeah, cigarette burns and burns and burns. And so yeah. sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's not. Uh, oh, 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 my favorite my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, really? Oh, yeah, this one I know. You showed me this piece, too. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's, a, it's brilliant. Uh, this is, it, I love the rat, you wanna, too. The yeah, if rat. you really want to get me going nuts, go on YouTube and Google why Akira Matters. I did a small four-minute vignette of yeah, this right one scene right here. That. And that that background behind all those buildings I've seen in person. is actually <laughs> huge yeah. and immaculately detailed. And you never get to see the whole thing. No. And, you know, very long story short that's why i had to start the akira exhibit and make it free was because if i didn't own that piece you know and i'm the akira expert and i saw that piece for the first time and didn't know what it was um and i own that piece and the only way i could ever see the whole thing was having it in my hands how much more art are people missing even if you get the blu-ray even if you pause it frame by frame what else are you missing from the attention to detail and the craft like I had to share it. You know, I had to go out and just make it free for the world. And, you know, when I joined up with Neil, I think it was the same philosophy. It's just, this deserves to be in more than my filing cabinet. (laughs) Yeah. It it has to be out there. It's so funny how they, they cue her voice. She's supposed to be a woman. Uh, I forget the, the other Esper, the oldest Esper there. Um, yeah, Lady Miyoko. Yeah, she, she was supposed to be. She's a woman, but she, in the queue for the American version, she's a like a raspy smoking guy. man. Yeah, <laughs> it's just always like they always strike they that call as funny. Her guy. They say the leader of the fanatics, and they call him a he. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always that was um, an interesting factoid when um, when Stream One brought Akira to America. Kadansha actually commissioned the voice dub but let streamline direct it and streamline was unclear mm. on some of the character stuff <laughs> so kadancha paid for the whole thing hired all the actors and dumped them on streamline to direct and it was just like uh we've never done this before okay <laughs> um so donatello from the ninja turtles you're gonna be the guy in the red jacket <laughs> yeah. go for it you know like, yeah and that's really what i we're, we'll, we'll rant a little bit but that's really one of the reasons why it should not be remade I think because it's just going to go all wrong and just like that did. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did good. I think what, what they had, they did do a good job. Um, it's, it's quite a great dub that they did or the English dub. Um, it's, it's, it's quite good. Um, for Akira, it could always be better, but I think that's one in the same is like, that's why it gets wrong. Cause it's like, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Grab that guy. And it's like, no, like, he, that person does not need to be the voice for all these people, you know, like get somebody right. new, try something, somebody untested, test it, see how it works. And, and I think the problem is that this is, would be such an expensive endeavor that the compromises would just basically ruin it. And we've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again of adaptations from really great source materials that just don't go right. Um, and I yeah. think why, why even want to try it? Why would you want to even try to adapt this? Why, why, 
It would never be better. Um, It'll never be better. Never. Sorry. I think that, will never I think that there's a conceit. No, you're right. There's a conceit. So one of the, the easiest example to pull is Ghost in the Shell because it just happened. And we're, I think most people are fans of both or neither, right? Sure. So you look at Ghost in the Shell and I can I can look at Ghost in the Shell and while I would, I have my which, issues which, which that don't one? belong in this, uh, the, the theatrical, the American movie. Gotcha. Okay. So you look at Ghost in the Shell, the movie, and you just made my point, by the way. The reason I can write off Ghost in the Shell and I can, I, I don't forgive it because it did some things that I think aren't very fair or forgivable. Um, but we can talk about that another time. I want to talk about good stuff here. Sure. Ghost in the <laughs> Shell is like um, Hitchhiker's Guide in that there are multiple timelines that you could attribute to the media, right? So, you know, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex and so Ghost in the Shell, the first animated film and the second animated film and the manga all kind of exist in their own, uh, you know, timelines. They yes. don't necessarily adhere to each other. The only where, the place where that's not true is Arise. Arise does exist in the same um, standalone complex universe. It's just the precursor prequel. Um, so with the theatrical, I can look at it as a telling of a Ghost in the Shell myth with these characters and it may not be my favorite version of the story. I can let that go. Yeah. Akira is not the same at all. No, it's Akira, not. Akira, yeah. Akira has the manga and it has the animated film. And while there are differentials there, they're widely explained by the director, Otomo, who explains why he had to do what he did. And they did it because they never in a million years would have gotten the budget to make all, you know, seven hours of film it would take to make yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. So, you try to take this and Americanize it from the manga. All right. If you do it as a, a live action film from the manga as a source, I'm willing to give it the Lord of the Rings. Try. I'm willing to go cool. There are some concessions you must make in film, but let's see what happens. I sure. think that where things fall down is when you try to put in a big name in the box office to try and justify the at least 300 million it would take to make this film. Right. At least. Yeah. Unfortunately, at least. Or yeah, I'll, or and, I'll do something and it would be cheaper. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, uh, hire Ash Thorpe. The guy has it down on Pollock. He's he's the guy to do. Um, there we go. Yeah, I'll do we'll it for cheap. It. <laughs> we'll volunteer it. Yeah, we'll undercut it by three, three million. Like, we'll do it for 297 million, um, Hollywood. Are you listening? Um, but, yeah, so to do this film, you do it across three films. It's going to cost you a minimum $100 million per film, $300 million to tell this story. How do you get that money back? Well, yeah. some faces have to be in it, and they have to be American faces, and that's where things fall apart completely for me, is that it isn't just the whitewashing of the actor. It's the whitewashing of the story itself. This story is Japanese through and through. It's got the cataclysmic element of destruction, which is falls back to all of the fiction that ro- rotates around the atom bomb. It has like the sociopolitical structures that do not exist in our country. They only exist in Japan. Yeah. There are these understandings of, you know, like, you know, 16 year old biker gangs and why in the world would they be able to get away with it? Well, they don't, but there's a, so- a social construct there. All of that to translate to an American audience would just get either lost or paved over. And either way, the mere fact that you made it American is disrespectful to Otomo, to the story, to the movie, to the culture that Akira brought with it. Yeah. I, I don't. Th- I, I don't would, think it can be done. And I wouldn't call it necessarily like a whitewashing thing, too. I call it a culture wash, and that's more or less like that's what it is. Because, and I think the thing that why we're so fascinated with Akira, whereas like. Um, when I was in Japan, um, it's like kind of like old news there 
because they, mm-hmm. they, they live yeah. in it. When I was, when I was out there, I was like, whoa, this all looks like a cure, you know, like all the buildings and then the density and just like the, and it made sense to me when I was there. I was like, okay, well, this makes sense that I like it so much because I'm in like stucco land with like, you know, yeah. like San Diego. <laughs> there is this like fucking boring and drab, like new city kind of stuff where it's just like 7-Elevens everywhere and it's boring looking, you know? So to us in the States, we're just like, what the hell is this? But when you're actually in Japan, it's, kind of looks like it to be honest you know and yeah but i think yeah I think, I, I think it's a cultural thing and i think what i was going to say about this and the point of it i think is it's it's a culture difference and the the thing is if it's not going to be better then why do it i don't want to be like pessimistic it's just like if something's already great then don't fix it like if something's not yeah. broken don't fix it it's so great as it is why even try i noticed and there's like ready player one i think they are like using Kaneda's bike in there. I was like, Hey, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, I know Steven's a massive fan of Otomo cause he's an artist and he loves storytelling as well. And it's only natural. Right. But yeah. Um, yeah, I love that shot right there. There's so much yeah. stuff we missed over because we're ranting. We apologize guys. We will do a ghost in a shell one for sure. Cause we have to, um, and, and Joe, you're gonna have to show your tattoo. Somehow we're going to show the, the tattoo cause you guys, you got some, what really- do you guys think of the, the potential sort of television make that they're talking remake that they're talking about in Japan, where they would do it as a, as an animated sort of t- TV series of sort of half hour episodes. You're talking about Akira? Yeah. yeah. There's talk of doing it, a version that's animated. Oh, here's the spot. Here's the spot. Hold on one second. Uh, watch this. So watch on the left hand side. There is a control booth with two guys in it. Watch. Oh, <laughs> well, there they are. It, yeah, so good. It goes by so fast you can't see them. You yeah. cannot see them unless you pause it and yeah. advance frame by frame. I do frame. frame by frames a lot on this film too. All the art but they're in there. I, they're in there, and one's eating a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, yeah. to go to so Neil, they're making a show. I, I, I personally, I'm just, um, I, I'm. I'm just going to be adamant about it. I'm so opposed to anybody doing anything with this super property in general. <laughs> and and even me, even if I had the chance to, I, I just couldn't. I wouldn't. And I don't think it was right because I don't think that, um, you know, it just I don't think it would. I just don't think it would come close to it. Honestly, I just. Yeah. Uh, yeah close up. Yeah. Boom. And the lights. Those, oh, oh, that, so that right there. That. That's a big slap of death his, right there. That's Domu all over the place right so there. So there's his hand <laughs> falling from the ceiling. If you yeah. look in the original cells, you can see more body parts. And his fingernails um, and his right pinky was red. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you're not wrong. It's kind of there. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It's it's hard because as I've grown up and as I've gotten a little older, um, th- there's a philosophy I've tried to live my life by. And well, it's recent. It's kind of like this, you know, rather than say this sucks, say it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. That's a higher mind way to go about it, too. Because it's true. It's, it doesn't mean that it sucks. It's just not for you. And that's a perfect. Yeah, it's that. a practice. It's it's definitely hard to do mm-hmm. when you're as p- opinionated as I am. And, and you know, though. it's just a, a mindfulness to try and do. And so I look at like, let's say they announced the Nikira movie. Okay. And I'm not going to study the dailies. I'm not going to go nuts. I'm not going to watch over everything. But whatever lands in my lap, I will look at. And, you know, when when it comes out, if it's not for me, cool. It's not for me. Yeah. I'll do everything have in this, my power. So. Yeah. I'll do everything in my power to tell people about this film. I'll bring the art to wherever wants to see it. I'll educate everybody on the animated film and the manga. And if that brings awareness and people want to check it out, like it did with the um, – the Ghost in the Shell animation backgrounds. I, I sent a couple out to um, uh, to the exhibit that's out in London right now of original animation backgrounds with a lot of Ghost in the Shell stuff. Yeah, that's great. And Stephon if that gets people looking at it, you know, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. You know, 
So good. And that's all it really is. And it's a love thing too. And I think when you love something, you just, you know, you kind of blind to, to, to logic oftentimes, you know, you just, oh, kind of, yeah. and so I think a lot of that's just coming from a place of, you know, don't get offended. And I really think it's like, it's all opinions too. And like, um, and whatever, like that's one thing that I get a lot. Cause especially with like the blade runner, everything that comes out, Oh, the hands attached to the gun. So good. So <laughs> good. So much of gratuitous violence is crazy violence in this thing. It's so good. Look at the freaking backgrounds and in how he pulls through so and how he moves yeah. and like, ah, oh, it's so good. Um, and the fact yeah. that those yeah, there's are lots still- of great water effects here. So oh, much, so-, so much, so much. And Look the at that. Tri-gun? Just the spraying of the of the bullets across the, the under undershell of that the, all the sparks and explosions as he's dragging against it his body is a fall I mean it's just that, like ah uh, oh, it's just insane keep in mind guys so if you don't understand how this process works is that it first comes from Otomo's brain then he draws out the storyboard uh, frame by frame and then it goes into like a drawing like a where you do keyframes and then you have an in between art, uh, artist that will take those keyframes and then split the frames between them by drawing the in between frames that's all penciled for it basically and then it gets uh what put on the with that that sheet of plastic what do you call that stuff acetate acetate yeah, yeah. And, and then it gets transferred to the acetate that's just the right, lines so, and, and the then it goes colors it's, it's crazy yeah the, the the lines go on the front of the acetate and yeah. then they have to paint yeah. upside down in layers starting with the front all the way to the back and uh, that's that's right 160,000 frames of animation yeah in this film is 24 that's, frames per second two hours and 12 minutes one of the only animations uh, to ever be 24 frames by the way too yeah so which is why one, it's it one so of good. two yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's insane Fidelity. and another one's so a disney movie right isn't it a disney movie the other one no it's the thief uh, and the cobbler yeah thief and the cobbler uh, which was never officially released uh, okay. um but it's, uh, in fact, Who Framed Roger Rabbit only got made so the Backstreet could fund making the rest of Thief and the Cobbler. Oh, interesting. A little yeah. tidbit right there. There you go. There you go, guys. A little some facts. Factual. But yeah, facts, so 160,000 frames of animation. Each one of those frames has minimum three layers. Minimum. And Crazy. so by minimum. Neil and I's estimate, you're talking minimum 400,000 individual hand-painted pieces of art yeah. made to make this film happen in a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. So for right. comparison, uh, this film used more sort of layers than any other uh, film. Some of the shots have sort of eight, nine layers of uh, cells to them above the background. So yeah. I think they push it about as far as you can before the, the cells themselves start sort of muting the colors of the background. You can yeah, see it too fall off. So you can see the fall off on heavy, uh, uh, heavy shots too. You can see the fall off of color and the, and the disbursement yeah. of the actual yeah. fidelity of the lines too. Cause you just, uh, you can't help it. And Neil owns oh, one. Um, oh, oh, this is great. Oh. Domu. <laughs> oh, so uh, good. So good. Yeah. Domu is uh, basically uh, like the beginning of Akira for me. Look at that. Boom. Just collapses them all in there. Up, they're all gone. <laughs> yeah. See ya dudes. I love how when he first gets his telekinetic, uh, um, you can kind of see he puts his hand out and grabs a cup with his eyes closed, you know, like he's unaware of his power basically. And I think that's yeah. the, the whole thing as it starts to evolve is he's unaware. And now he's just like curious and he's, I think it's really important to show oh. that, that scene where Kay gets punched and stuff because you're really good to show like how disturbed he is before all the power so like somebody that's that disturbed before the power it's just horrible you know yeah and that's, a, that's an power. element they try to tell in the movie that i really do wish they could have spent another 10 minutes and built that out is mm-hmm. tetsuo's childhood and then yeah. the time uh, of the orphanage so and the relationship yeah <laughs> the relationship between um 
Canada and Tetsuo was one of this big brother protector until Tetsuo began resenting him. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this weird individualism and that's what caused him to shoot ahead on the motorcycle and try to take out the clown on his own. Yes. And you know, it's just it's like there. Those, it's all there. It's sub, it's very yeah. subtle, but it's all there. You're right. That one where he blasts through the smoke. I was thinking about that last night. I wanted to talk about that. Like all those little, you know, little innuendos throughout the story just to kind of su- suggest where he's going. This is awesome. Oh, did you see the symbolism on him stepping on the bear? Is yeah, that the bear exactly. framed him so much and then he's just, eh, screw this bear. Well, step he's, on it. <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 he's overcome it again. Yeah. These are again, all these design cues. Um, they're all, I think the thing that you, I really love and I think we all resonate with is that everything in here is designed and considered. Um, mm-hmm. I love the integration of the, of the, of the, Blocks I love this little rabbit in the right hand corner. <laughs> <laughs> never ending, never ending detail. Uh, man, that's oh, you can even there. see like the the paint uh, layer lens against the concrete where it was repainted. So, uh, so good, nuts. I love her makeup too. She got the makeup going. She looks awesome. Look at their colors. Remember, I'm talking about colors. They're twinning. They twin all the time. They're basically um, like opposites but connected. You know, yeah. Um, throughout the uh, uh, both stories, I feel you know. I love how she's green. She's just like this, like puke green all the time. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this, another one of those I want to prep is when he confronts the Colonel, when the Colonel shows up and he does that wipe and that yeah. wipe effect. Oh, oh, okay. so powerful. Oh. Look at the background, the fidelity of the background. You could tell us it's from a different team that the, the different, the different team that just, it's not as high fidelity on like the cast yeah. details, you know, yeah. you can see this is like, I'm not saying anything bad about, it, I think it's awesome, but it, it's, it's just all that warp too. Oh, so tricky that to right do there. that. Yeah. So tricky. And then how he fades it out. Oh, so cool. Yeah. So cool. And, and, and that's another, that's how would you show that? Film effect. Yeah. Yeah. That's a film effect, but how would you show that? Oh, the dust lifting and stuff on uh, the grip. Ah, oh, there we go. Look at that. Oh, so good. The reshattering glass. So good. Yeah, here we go. Just all the dust particles and stuff. If you think about it, they're animating dust. Did you see that? The the weird, he turns around and his psychic power turns with him. Yeah. Almost like it's a barrel of a gun and hits the wall and breaks the wall. uh, It's his intention is what is is happening. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to push forward. I'm not pushing against them. I'm pushing forward. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm volatile basically. And his yeah. massive forehead. He has like a 10 head. It's the biggest forehead <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Oh, that breakthrough. It so seems good. to grow as he gets more powerful as well. It does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look how small his face is. And like, it's almost like his face and his, his, his head, it got like double the size. He's on his, he's got like a forehead as big as the doctor at this point. Ah, oh, so good. Uh, uh, one of my favorite shots this- of the manga is when we're looking at him from, from down below as his head hits the, the pavement and he's that's like when he was having those like crazy seizures kind of going on when he was taking those pills and just like <laughs> such a dramatic dynamic shot that uh otomo had drawn in the manga so good but you kind of see a little hint of that there um yeah and look at the difference you watch look at his face and you look we'll go like a couple like you know 10 minutes later in the film his face changes a little bit slightly ever so slightly mm-hmm. because you're mm-hmm. passing over the hands of multiple different artists different teams different studios it's crazy. Even though it's like it's crazy consistent, you'd only notice that if you're like super nerded out like us. But it's there, you know, very subtle. Yeah, you can the you can definitely tell. Uh, the yeah. one where I think they got it best was actually the the scene where he wakes up in right the hospital. There. Yeah, his face looks great in that in that sequence. Yeah, oh, that that white yeah. through. A lot of detail it's, it's, right there. The smoke and the dust falling. 
that it hit the guy's collar. <laughs> Dust fell. Oh, there we go. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that that's a nice looking shot right there. I yeah, like that. Beautiful. And then, the entry. And by the way, I have this entire sequence. Oh, um, I hate you. I so have jealous. to share that with you at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when you the get a chance to see are, this in person, it's insane. Uh, it is insane because yeah, the colors are way more vibrant. You know, again, here oh, comes the catalyst. You know? to it. It's here's just the insane. Catalyst. Oh, there she is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Tetsuo is already doing his thing, but here they come. Yeah, bam. Oh man, the gravity, the gravity that they're animating. Just yeah, the amount of the, oh, oh I just got taken oh. out. <laughs> 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 just gratuitous violence everywhere. It's everywhere. It's just everywhere. I love it. There's hands severed and blood flying yep. and dudes getting there's smashed. Still a, there's still blood hanging from the ceiling, too. The <laughs> consistency shot to shot is just ridiculous. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna take five. I'll be right back. Go for it. This is, uh, man, right here we go in this spot. I love how they come out. The, the lighting changes and the shift. Animating the tree yeah. and that move right there, that pan for, around is so nuts. The dr- the you have to wonder how they decided to animate some of these things because some of the things you've never seen before so you're not sure how they should move or or look like but everything feels very natural um, and and very correct yeah i don't know how they you know you're talking about gravity and people using sort of telekinetic powers and things to, to create things to, to to interact with their environments but everything feels like it's got the right sort of kinetic energy i suppose it's crazy yeah, and, and running, people running towards the camera. That's really hard to do. Um, I think a lot, like when I would watch like videos on people from Pixar animating like the CGI that they do, they'll have a, a mirror in front of them and they'll act it out and record it, you know, as they're, they're like kind of going through the actions of becoming Woody or Buzz Lightyear or something. But I don't know how they did it with this because you can't, you just, it's not a rig. You, you basically have to connect one frame with the other and kind of use your mind to look forward in the future almost and kind of draw yeah. your instances like because the keyframes is what you're going to capture and those are kind of like the main dudes or they're like that's a keyframe right there and that's a keyframe right there and every like i don't know 24 frames or so you're gonna have a keyframe depending on your sequence sometimes it's even shorter because there's so much happening you know but and then all the in-betweeners trying to connect those two is just really insane and that's I, right. I think a lot of uh, films they sort of they ramp up to twenty four frames a second and very sort of dynamic action sequences. But Akira just sort of runs that speed throughout, which is, as we discussed earlier, pretty much the only instance that, that somebody's finished a film yeah. at that pace. Yeah, because it is grueling. I, I can only imagine, and and the, the the timeline that they did it was insane. I like how yes, uh, Takeshi kind of came in there and saved her at the last minute. You could see him yeah. kind of just fade in really subtly. Ah, oh, this shot, all the hand painted lights, just the details, and him flying through the sky. Look at yeah, his color that too. Look at it's absolutely amazing. If he was red, he would have got lost in it. But you remember, he's blue and green, you know. And she's always paying attention to those colors. And look how they're framed. They're all framed by this dark blue, and so they kind of stand out in their hair and everything. That's um, so good. I kind of miss. Um, I guess I understand why they didn't put the other espers in here, from as opposed to the manga, because the manga had like those three uh like there's catalysts too that were in the story that were um kind of you know instigating and 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 Kaneda had like a fist fight with one of the girls i think i remember in the manga um i kind of miss them in having um in the uh 
in the anime, but at the same time, I think it's, I think these, these three just do an amazing job too. It's also interesting if you think about the number three too, like the three of them, the Trinity, you know, like why is there three of them mm-hmm. and how they work together and their different personality types too. Um, like Takeshi was trying to escape and how the others are there and they're subordinate, but they know that they hold the power, but they're still underneath the, the colonel's, uh, thumb you know like they're they're still they're old they're older people in the ch- bodies of a child and look at yeah, Takeshi's right. emotions I mean it's just yeah and look at her how she bonds like right there she had a she has like a synergy right here and this is the first time where we're seeing that Kay actually has telekinetic uh abilities um unknown yeah. to everybody else except for the two of them which is awesome yeah and that symbol the symbol yeah, on his stuff. on his left badge is on everything too it's on the see that's on the helicopters it's everywhere um, associated with the uh, just the military, I guess. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and again, you can see all the sort of desks and fluorescent lights in the windows <laughs> behind them. I love this stage. It's this this kind of it's the police versus him, you know. And he's just like, kill him. And then and I love that point yeah. where he's like, we're either going to kill each other or we're going to fight together and like get out of my way, basically. Like, <laughs> he's, he's look at how he's using papers. He's like, here, I have papers. And he's like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not no, doing this just anymore. Shoot this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah. Okay. Shoot him. You know, I, I just love that. He's like, <laughs> I'm over dealing with bureaucracy. We need to, we, we need to act now. And I just, I think this, this is such a pivotal scene to kind of show the, the gravity of what's happening here and how he kind of holds the chaos together, which is so good. And the background, look at the, look at the color in the scene of the light. This could be a very neon, crazy, colorful, but it's not, it's red, it's intensified. It's, um, you know, look at the anger in him and the way that he's lit. And oftentimes when we look at him, we're looking up to him. We're subordinate to him yeah. almost all the time. Look at it. Yeah. See, there's a lot there of shots is. that sort of angled upwards at him sort of like, is it sort of Orson Welles who sort of created that type of technique? Yeah. Well, it's just kind of like, um, it's it's human nature. We created that technique mm. by being gravid, like you know, small kids, and our parents are large. You know, so uh, it's yeah. a natural thing. Again, it's all these little things that add up to like subconsciously, like I fade into it. That chalkboard in the background, or that that it's like there's like a rubbed out letter on there. It's like so many details. All the liquor, the glow. Um, it's so good. I love arcade machines and everything. Yeah. And you can even see Johnny Walker, black label in the background there. (laughs) Yes. There's so much. And the colors, look at the, the color behind him, that shout, look at the size of them. And then why are we looking up to him? Watch as the roles change and shift, see what's going to happen and the way they're looking. Yeah. You can see your over the shoulder. The scene as well, which is all sort of the airbrushing done around the, on the cells above the, the background in many cases. Yeah. So good. Then multiple shadows, that's so good. Because they're splitting the shadow from left to right based on where they're positioned by the light above. So good. Just physics, they're using physics, they're using real reality, thinking about it and looking at it um, uh, properly and analyzing it and in- inferring it through a style, which is so good. Ah, there he goes. <laughs> oh, man. And there's Tetsuo, such a jerk. <laughs> now, this at this point in the story... At the beginning, you kind of pity him. And then you get to this point where you're just kind of like, wow, he's really an evil asshole. You know, at least for me, I was just like, wow. Like in the beginning, I kind of felt bad for him. Like, oh, he's an underdog. And then he's just like, wow, he's really just going bonkers now. You know, and in the, I think by taking away that guy's life, I think that's the, the first kind of connection that you have, you know. So this is power corrupting him, I suppose. 
Yes, it's it's unfolding. And look at him, like his his, his expression and his friends. They don't know how to communicate with him and react because they don't have Kaneda there. You know, like Kaneda was like the guy that's their spokesperson. So they kind of unfold, and their emotions kind of run run heavy. Yeah, <laughs> ah, so crazy. I love the that's right. the, the bottle of beer right between his legs too. Like again, a little hint of symbolism too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't know if that was subconscious or not too. I, it's hard to tell, you know. Um, Otomo may, might have just put all this stuff in there naturally because that's kind of naturally how he observes the world. But some people are, are born storytellers, and I think that he is one of those people. Born storyteller with the skills to do it beyond just telling a story via words. It's a shame we don't listen to the audio, too, because the audio is just incredible. It's so well done. That shot of, of, kind of uh, Tetsuo is amazing, too. That's a good framed one. This shot is something that that little like naked pig lady in the background. Uh, this shot is always uh, something I've I've constantly thought about. Um, this kind of uh, commentary that goes back and forth between these two and why the scene exists. You know, I've always found it fascinating. What is it to you in this shot? For me, I've just always thought it was. To be honest, I I I, I suppose they're trying this. They're attempted trying to explain how the sort of Tetsuo became so powerful. And they're talking about how, you know, they're, they're, is this what they're talking about, sort of the power of an amoeba? Yeah. And things yeah. like that. So yeah, I suppose off. they're sort of just sort of talking about how if an amoeba can be so powerful, then the espers represent a sort of a larger scale of this, that sort of power and being amplified. And that Tetsu at his scale being, I suppose, an adult that has absorbed this kind of power, which is highly unusual according to the story. Yeah. Uh, that he then becomes a sort of a, an even more explosive element shall we say if he if the power fully manifests within him and i suppose when i whenever i've watched this type of shot i've i've generally just been more amazed by the sort of the, how much detail they put into what could have just been smooth walls and instead they've, they've they've put a hell of a lot of effort into just sort of making it look a bit crusty yeah um but yeah i've always said at least that's what i've always sort of read into this is they're starting to sort of try and explain at least it's a decent how, amount of exposition where, where the, the origins of the power yeah yeah it's a, it's a decent amount of exposition that's happening, you know, like it's, 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 um, it's, it, it happens more and more in films these days I find, which can be quite annoying, but I, I, I really, uh, I find it, it works pretty well here. And I think what's interesting is it's kind of unfolding the differences between the two of them, but then also kind of leading up to what's about to happen later on in the story, which when things get really like metaphysical and just kind of abstract, um, and yeah, it's very I think different from any other kind of film. So, yeah, with, with some kind of rationale for what's coming. I mean, it's not really a film that puts is puts too much into explaining itself. It, it likes to just show you the story. I Which suppose. Which I love. Is there, that's a couple of the best. where it yeah. needs that. Oh, like so, there go, that fade through. Yeah, that's right. So this is her sort of starting to, I suppose, act as a conduit for for the Esper and, and explain a bit of what's. Um, and she's kind of going through, she's using Canada too. They're using everybody as chess pieces basically. Um, but they're not master chess players yet, you know? So, uh, the colors again, the colors, action, the, the blues, the reds, it's, they're, they're, they're very, um, like kind of bright. Um, I forget what you call it. It's like the, the main colors, you know, primary colors, but they're just, right, yeah. they're, they're just, they're used, um, so well throughout telling the story if you're if you're just listening to the words and hearing the story and you're watching stuff you're not really thinking about why those colors are there but they support it you know like why is the floor not red right now you know well because there's like a cool down moment they're kind of talking and they're building up their relationship 
the sexual frustration and like the teenage angst and all these kind of things, you know, and, and trying to understand what's going on. It's funny too, as you watch yeah. them animate and get smaller, the lines of the art can't get smaller, but they just kind of get smaller. But the, the fidelity of their bodies kind of gets smaller and smaller because the lines of the animation just can't get smaller than what it is. So, yes. It, yeah, eventually so their eyes and even their face disappear completely. And, and when the characters are yeah. sort of very, very small in frame. So, yeah. but you're, you're quite right. It's quite interesting that this film doesn't have a sort of a palette, like something's like the matrix where it's got a very sort of green palette throughout Yeah. this film. If you were to look at the way the colors pan out, it would, it would have blocks of all sorts of different colors rather than any one hue sort of driving it. Yeah, it's it's like it's considered a grade when they grade over the entire film with like a certain type of LUT. It's like a lookup table yeah. color grade. And so with this, it's like um, I think what I love is because it doesn't do that and it has its own complete, completely unique style, which is really hard to um, capture in, um, in film necessarily. So, ah, so good. Yeah. This uh, and then this build up right here too, and not showing too much. I love that they didn't show it in the bar scene. They they leave. Yeah. They let you finish it in your head through his frustration, which I think is really great. And it's also a nod to a film director that wants to make something that people can kind of engage with and also finish their own, like finish the story with them. I think that's a master way of doing things. You know, you're, you're letting your audience do the work with you. It's like the, the idea of the psychology of the monster. Like you don't show what the monster is. You let the, the audience put their fears into the monster. And then you let that kind of be what the biggest fear is, you know, I think yeah, he's doing that a lot with this too. It's always works better because th- your fear is better than my fear, which is better than anybody else's because it's personalized. Fear is a personalized thing, and a, a good creative, a good director knows that. I think through and through, and I think uses that at their device to do so. Yeah. Yes, I, I would agree with that. A lot of films sort of tend to sort of they become a lot less scary once they reveal yes uh, the threat, so to speak. So they become less um, personal, is why because you're not personally connected to that fear. And you're like, eh, okay, I'm not afraid of that. So then it's like, okay, cool. It's very, it's really hard to tap into that. But I think he's doing that a lot with like just kind of not telling us everything all the time. Um, it's one thing I feel that I get really annoyed with with films, um, other films, not just now, but in other films that I think are lacking in that is that they show and tell you too much. There's no need to do that. I love that how they're drawing. Uh, they did the reflection, which is crazy. Yeah. So, that's so hard to do. So hard to do. And just walking on water too. Religious symbolism. To say, I didn't fully understand this film. I don't think until I until I read all the the mangas as well. I, yes. I watched it many times before I really figured out what was going on towards the end. Yeah, um, we, should, we should definitely talk about that too because I had the same thing. I would for many years I watched it primarily just because I was so smitten by the art, um, and I think probably like most of us are like that. And then eventually yeah. I started looking further into the story and then um, actually reading the manga later on years later after watching the anime I was really going I started to really think about it more and more and then the story kind of unfolded and it started to develop in me personally uh, which I think is really interesting which I think is again what why it, it attests to why it's so good oh that's those flames ah so good yeah, one of the things I was reading, I thought it was quite interesting. I think it was just in Reddit or something like that, where somebody asked, "What are the most common fantasies you had as a ch- child?" Mm-hmm. And what what it, I was quite surprised at is that what, like loads and loads of young men or boys dream of having unlimited power, like uh, Tetsuo does. I was quite surprised because mm-hmm. I was like that as a little kid. You sort of dream of having mm-hmm. superpowers and dealing with schoolyard bullies and things like that. So I think Akira really taps into that type of thing very, very well. 
that and it's quite angst. interesting the way it shows that even if you had that it wouldn't really work out that well for you and i think it's an interesting aspect to the film is that i was quite surprised it's you know down this sort of the comment list everybody seemed to agree that they had a similar kind of childhood fantasy yeah. and in, in many ways akira plays off that i think ultimate power corrupts ultimately you know and i think that's really the testament to this like the rat he wants power he wants political asylum and all these kind of things happening here and he's trying to play his chess moves here but it unfolds on on him which i think is great too and like i just love this scene where we're starting to see the earlier passes of power being ultimately corrupted and lost like he's like he's 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 no he's done he's just trying to pack in as much money as he can into this situation (laughs) um but yeah and then yeah it's just he's (laughs) <laughs> just killing it yeah. he's on a killing spree he completely unfolded he's unraveled completely yeah Ryo's here it's amazing they bother to even sort of um, do all the fleur-de-lis on the wallpaper and, <laughs> yeah you know designing the sort of the the afghan rugs and things yeah yeah and and think about the architecture and the feel of his world is so different it's more kind of like mm, you know european feeling um not neo-tokyo feeling at all um decadence um, yeah, and how he how he shoots Ryu, because uh, now he's completely lost his shit. He's even shooting the people that like like helped him. He missed the two shots too, which I think is great. Yeah, he missed the other two. It's, this it's is one of my favorite shots you know? in the film here with all the traffic jam. It's just uh, so, so complicated, and then again, it's got some good explosions, which always help. I think uh, talk about the the how he missed those last two shots too is it's. it's Oh, so good, the helicopter stuff. That's the helicopter that blows you guys up. Have that you can on your see site. the parts. Yeah, um, art of a we do have, yeah, a couple of those things. Yeah, they're both there. So um, but the, there's a few scenes in the film where something like there, where the helicopter blows up, or where, for instance, a, a jeep is uh, blows up at a different part of the film. Whereas if you look at the the cell after the fact, you can see that different pieces of the the vehicle could actually be put back together again to create the vehicle. They're not just random so sort good. of bits of of nothing you can see that you could almost put them together like lego to recreate the yeah the thing about the internals and everything yeah what i was saying too really quickly early about the shot where he misses the two other bullets like he just shoots um it's one thing i find really frustrating with other films where just like the 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 gunsman is just like shooting boom 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 and they're like getting right nailing their 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 target or they'll they're like supposed to be like an expert shooter and then they miss their target it's really frustrating, yeah. but, but when you have like a normal guy who's like shot and injured, he shoots a guy in the stomach, which is horrible. That's like the worst place to shoot somebody because <laughs> he's going to die yeah. a really painful death. And then he like misses shooting his head and like the, misses and hits the ground. And it's just like, again, the real, the, the level of, of reality is just insane. It's just insane. Uh, I love this inside shot too. And the light that was on yeah. his eyes coming off the, the flame. See all the glass embedded in the wall from the initial explosion? Yeah. And the blur of everything now and the explosion and the, the sparks of explosion. And now we what we have is we have Tetsuo coming of age in a sense of ultimate power. He's starting to really understand it. And as we do, we see decadence die. You know, we see the old system, bureaucracy, paper, all this stuff kind of fading away. Um, coming to an end and i love how he just dies in an alley <laughs> it's so good it's so like uh uh and then ryu like following him like you know i've i've basically i've i've killed people for you i've done like and that, what is this all money you know and then he dies of a of a heart attack i think right <laughs> yeah well, it seems uh, so like good. he doesn't get to his pills fast enough here yeah and look at ryu a dutch angle shot up looking up at him as he's like a zombie basically and he's looking at what he's died for and he realizes that He's just basically 
he's been a puppet all his time to a system that's, that's ultimately right. corrupt, you know? Uh, so all the music throughout this scene is really oh, good so as well, good. with the, sort da, of the, the low choir and so on. It's, it's, so it's very well done. That shot right there. Uh, and then he walks past him, which is great too, um, out into this and just to see the chaos and go like, man, we're all doomed, you know, looking out at it. Imagine his character and the weight of his character, you know? Um, yeah. Just basically another another body just done and how we watch him exit um his life basically um with the akira this shot's very on interesting the, uh, on the ground where they where they show the reporter on the screen and yeah with, when the sort of the video sort of cuts out and he sort of distorts so good the, i think joe actually has a cell of that where you can see that they actually drew the the video distortion on the reporter yeah so good which is quite amazing yeah even when they splash it here you'll see it in a sec when it cuts out yeah it all sort of goes wonky which is something again it's a sort of a an illustration thing rather than there yeah it's, it's, it's like amazing lines. how they do things like that <laughs> well i mean you have to right because they're committed to doing animation through and through completely pure and so you can't just like add some kind of like photo or something because you're keeping it pure because that's otomo's goal you know which is awesome colors There's again thing colors look at this animation it's a thousand times because uh, it's so well done yeah yeah the funny shot too with uh Kaneda flying past us and then like you know um kind of pulling away that was re- ripped off so many times or you could say it was tributed so many times but <laughs> yeah yeah his late the way his legs and feet come out the look at that bike and the design is just so good too how, how he sits kind of casually like as he's as if he's in like a casual lounge chair and as opposed yeah. to like a racing position he he's definitely takes the role that kind of like this uh casual leader you know again kind of constantly the leader and what he's doing was with, it not that's what he's sort of inspired by the tron bikes the light cycles or whatever i think the tron light cycles you're le- you're leaning forward on your chest whereas Canada is mm, leaning back so. in a chair you know he's kind of like it's a casual fast bike almost in a sense there she is again well he i guess but yeah she yeah Ah, yeah. <laughs> the, As we said, I was one of the people who thought that was a guy for a long time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but when you read the read the manga and you really get she she really opens up and exposes herself a lot in the in the manga. You get to see a lot more for which I enjoy, and I really enjoy the other espers and stuff too. Uh, the lasers too. Now we have the lasers, and this is like another thing. Back in our youth, you know, lasers are like that was like the ultimate weapon. You remember how they were trying to weaponize lasers in warfare and stuff? Yeah. And and I mean, I don't know if they're doing it still, but I mean, it, the laser thing is just really awesome. Again, that symbol, the gravity, the foreground element pushing up, so good, and all the building, the way that everything's breaking apart. As you mentioned, like things are broken with the idea that they're not just pieces, random objects they are actually structures the way it falls. It falls like naturally as gravity. All oh, those dudes yeah. are crunched. Oh, so bad. You wonder how many times they would have to do sort of corrections and things to get it uh, right. Yeah. Well, it's all about the keyframe artist being aware of what Atoma is trying to do. And at the same time, I think once you get far enough down the pipeline, I think you understand that you probably can't get away with much of anything underneath him. So you just got to do it right <laughs> the first time. You know, working in oh, certain directions, so, I know yeah. that's how it works. You know, you just can't get anything past him. Lens flare again, amazing. UI and like graphics and stuff, all cell animated. So good. <laughs> I was using like I think that despite joystick. It being so well done, Atoma still feels that. Uh, Parts of it are not up to his standard. I think oh, you yeah, mentioned sure. earlier that sort of, you know, some of the scenes in the beginning look a little bit more refined than yeah, certain re- other sequences later on. I remember him saying something like that too in a, in a commentary um, at one point. And I think that's a testament to his true mastery is that he's never satisfied. Even by making this, he's still like, 
uh, there's always something that could be better, you know, but still, I mean, it's pretty amazing. You take even just the background art in these couple sequences is better than freaking 90% of the stuff you see out there now, because it's just yeah. the thought and consideration is just not there. Um, and it's just missing from a lot of properties and stuff, but understandably because of the production and so freaking expensive and so gnarly. Um, but yeah, I love this, uh, I love this machine too. being able to see the, uh, it's such a brilliant idea to be able to see the telekinetic energy and temperament of, uh, of, of, a of a crazy child, basically via graphics, you know, instead of just saying like alert, alert, blinking at a screen, you're seeing it visually through like almost like wavelength volumes in a three, three dimensional form, which I think is great. It's like, it's like looking at loud music being played volumetrically on a vol on a, on a piece of volume, uh, 3d object. I think it's awesome. Really brilliant. Again, more brilliance, red cloak, um, all this stuff, yeah. you know, like the red. Again. Oh, so the red cloak was a nice touch. Yeah, exactly. And it becomes iconic almost in the sense, almost like, you know, Batman's cowl, you know, so this sequence. It's interesting. His hair seems to start growing more quickly as well as he gets more powerful. Yes. His hair is about more crazy. Times longer now than it was, uh, <laughs> you know, half an hour ago. <laughs> That's a Dragon so, Ball Z hair going on here. So, yeah. So this is great. I, I've been sitting here making comments for, I guess, at least the past five minutes and oh. i didn't realize i was on mute <laughs> <laughs> oh you gotta love it man like, yeah like, i do guys, that sometimes uh, <laughs> did you back hear me point here and, 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 okay, <laughs> we don't want your points now welcome back this is awesome yeah now we're, my apologies i'm sorry now i'm sure we missed um, some good nuggets well we have to you have to dig back in here but now we've been holding down the uh, court yeah we're talking about oh, his I hair mean, yeah <laughs> so i i just I walk in at this moment and this is the part that just trips me out every time. It's like the K versus Tetsuo fight scene and then all the things that happen after that. And I just love Um, a good strong female character just kicking ass too, you know, it's like awesome. It's just going against like the normal crap, you know, so it's awesome. Red on red instigation. Here comes the catalyst coming through. Oh, that poor guy puking blood and falling over. (laughs) So violent. And then yeah. see, this is where they they went through this uh, earlier in the film, uh, those checkpoints, you know. And now look at the yeah. checkpoint. It's, it's daytime. I love the random like, crazy. tape and, and oddness just hang, like, hanging over the side. And <laughs> Here we go. This is the part. Yeah, but I love that bit with the, sort of the crater expanding. Shit's about to get you crazy. Hold on yeah. to your butts. To quote some Jurassic, <laughs> some quotes All of Jurassic right Park. Here, like, <laughs> Wow. All of this stuff just flying around. You guys have some of those nuggets on your oh. Art of Akira site. If you're watching yeah. this, you're not, you should go to artofakira.com too. And just there's some amazing um, selections from these guys' collections. And they're just kind enough to share with us because it's amazing. But you get to see some of the depth of detail. Yeah, the gravity, the tone, uh, everything. Look at him. We're, under, we're looking up underneath him. But look at it. And the flashing. Uh, so good. It's amazing that there's still never been anything quite like this scene. No, I mean, it, no. it still is completely unique. You'd think somebody would have Man. tried to to replicate it or rip it off. But I remember no, I watching this for the first time 20 years ago and just being blown away. And it's still, oh yeah, there's nothing like it. Don't tell people and to do the, it. <laughs> but the wind, the wind all follows the same pattern everywhere too. Yeah. But the speed of the smoke and the way his cape flaps and then uh, just little things like that. And then... That shot was always funny because it's like an under-detailed painting, too. It yeah. always caught me. I'm like, even here, it's a little under-detailed. Here, now we're back to like the normal team on the lasers flying around, too. Yeah. Freaking Some nuts. of the shots are sort of done uh, in sort of sort of flat color, but others are sort of 
It's just like, like of the, level the of cryo chamber coming out of the ground. Awesome. You can tell they used a uh, sort of different types of paint techniques on it. Yeah. And some of these shots are sort of eight layers deep because of all the different layers to the smoke. And there's, there are actually sort of backgrounds in the foreground and things like that. It's in the overall it's, uh, it's camera shake too. It. Over camera shake is great. I like how they chose to do this or um, I like how Otomo chose to do this whole scene, this very violent scene in broad, clean daylight. Like yeah. look at the sky, it's peaceful sky and we're just seeing chaos unfold. I, I love that. Um, I love that idea. Kay's there. That's so good, man. So awesome. She managed to, you know, through the, the help of the espers to manage to stick through it. And this is where the, it really deviates obviously from the manga, because if you've read the manga and you should, because you're awesome and you're going to do what we say you do to do, <laughs> you're going to go out there. You're going to support this amazing master work and you're going to read the manga. It's amazing. But yeah, I mean, in the manga, uh, I don't necessarily want to spoil it too much, but he's not dead. So, and <laughs> And, and it opens up a whole different kind of passageway to the story, which I think is really fascinating. Um, well, technically, he's not dead here either. Um, and that's something that they, uh, Atomo himself, uh, talks about how clumsy the storytelling was for that one part. Oh, and Ash, a note for you. Did you notice the guy in the crowd hanging over the, the overpass? I did. One of them has uh, Little Show's hat. A oh. winged hat from Domo. Oh, man. I missed that. That's a freaking brilliant little call out. I have to see that next time. I'm marking yeah. down the time. I'm like a 1 130. I'll just look at that because I love that hat too with the little wings. Yeah. I love that. I love how you put young in there in the hat. I never noticed that. It's so cool. Little There's tidbit. a few more thank, references thank you in there that too. Like, uh, <laughs> he has some uh, Nissan Noodle call outs too uh, from his advertising days. Ah, great. Perfect. I mean, you got to, right? You, I mean, if you're not going to, if you, you got to please yourself as you do this, it's long work. It's laborious work. You know, I remember listening to Todd McFarland talk about like, how like he would do the same kind of thing with his work is he's like, if you're not going to entertain anybody else, you just better entertain yourself because you're, it's a long work, (laughs) you know, and you're going to put something in there that you're comfortable and have fun with, you know? Um, and you're, that's kind of like those little winks. It's kind of like, a like, um, directors putting themselves in their own films and stuff too, which I think is cool. This is one of my favorite pieces. Just like, the detail in the overpass and the buildings all around and just craziness. Like this is so tightly cut because you saw the pan. Yeah. Um, and you never even see that top left corner, um, with the building. Yeah. Um, and that is probably one of the most detailed pieces of the painting. It just, uh, oh, so good. I like and how it's like they does. didn't know. No, like, they, they, knew, knew. they knew. They knew. Yeah. I like how they think about the mechanisms of bikes too. Like, so Kanye does bike. When you see it peel out, it's two wheel drive as opposed to most motorcycles are just the rear wheel. But even yeah. if you watch it closely, it's the front wheel is peeling out too. So it's like, that's how badass his bike is. It's two wheel <laughs> yes. bike drive. It's so one cool. Of the, one of the two bikes in history to ever have an actual reverse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah. It's freaking awesome. Two wheel drive reverse too. Yeah. yeah. And it sits back like a, like a casual lazy boy style, you know? Again, which yeah. is his posturing is so good. Look at this oh, big this pan, pan up, you know, that uh, pan is so good. We're just going, okay, now we're having this show off and there's showdown. And we're, I think, uh, I remember, I think, uh, Otomo would talk a bit about how he was influenced by Kurosawa's films and Westerns, obviously. And here we are, we have that classic Western standoff, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing that battle and here, you know, and then we have the behind him and Tetsuo and it's so great. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. So of of the four vertical pan shots in Akira, three of them have Kaneda and one is an elevator shaft. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. 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 But I mean, we're, 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 I think the thing is we've seen how powerful Tetsuo is and we have to see 
I think he's telling us like Kanye does just as powerful. Don't forget that. Yeah. Kanye does just as powerful. Don't forget that. You know, well, how that you right there, just so like that. you have a, yeah. you have an unstoppable psychic animal that just basically exploded the army. Yeah. And now you have a kid with a motorcycle. How are you going to like make this kid a hero? And one of them is pathos. The relationship between the two obviously clouds everyone's judgment. Yes. And the other one is, um, the unexpected, like, you know, Tesla did not expect that laser gun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and those are his only two, you know, advantages. And, 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 and dumb and dumb, just being a dumb kid. I think that's another yeah. thing, too. He's just dumb. Being so stupid, he doesn't know how much danger he's really in. That's kind of helps him. Yeah. That's kind of almost the entire story. <laughs> but he's like, I, he's wittily stupid, if that makes sense. You know, like, you know, what drives me nuts is a lot of the promo shots um, when I was young. Oh, is that Canada holding the, the rifle and yeah. the rifle on the motorcycle? And it's actually absolutely betrays his actual character because he's not really like a firearm superhero guy no. you know yeah yeah is it battery runs out at just the wrong time i love yeah. it yeah perfect this is the uh, moment. Movie, movie timing here yeah. it is oh what the ah <laughs> oh, duracell pops out oh no yeah oh i love the design of the gun too it's so good look at the art see that's what i'm saying see that that background look how layered there's there's levels of yeah. detail in the sheen the gloss the what you're seeing is you're seeing differences in material some are reflective some are non-reflective you're seeing like concrete painted materials all that stuff so good so good yeah and neil this is the scene you were talking about that inspired you right that's right. Yeah, this would be the the shot just coming up. It's not the first volley; it's the second one. But yeah. I just remember watching that and going, "Wow, that probably really exists somewhere." I figured it was in a museum. <laughs> I figured yeah. it would be sort of on Otomo's wall or something, or in a you're museum. Talking about, you're talking about the one uh, where he uh, raises the rock over the hand. That one, yeah. I figured yeah. that's a yeah. That's a, so good. Yeah, so it's a, uh, it's kind of strange that that one's in our collection. So yeah, it's it's great that um. You know, so so Neil so, and I we met through Akira Art and um, Tinder too. Oh, so yeah, yeah, it's not called Tinder in our country. Um, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's called Akira <laughs> Tinder. Yeah, a Kinder, a, a, a Kinder. That, I would totally join that. I would swipe left for Akira people. It's like, yeah, it's like find anime fans in your city. <laughs> but yeah, we um, that's actually one of the pieces we swapped. Uh, so Neil and I like that being one of his his like. I have to have it moments yeah. and I happen to have the scene that inspired him. And so I swapped it out. So, and that's what like really made us decide to join forces. Um, awesome. Was just or because like Voltron, like, Akira Voltron. Yeah. Look at this, yeah. this rock. I this love this rock it. scene. This is it right <laughs> here. Yeah. I love it. It's out. so funny. Cause he's so, like, I'm a caveman. And, and, and if you watch and you're familiar with, uh, Atomo's other work, farewell to weapons too. the recent last thing that he directed, the yeah. same kind of thing it's like a guy that. trying to figure yeah all this stuff it's insane but you're trying to take like a blunt object against something far superior but it's just the dumb luck kind of thing you know i love the party in the clouds yeah. Um, yeah. and i love how like you know he loses an arm you know from his friends straight as well where all the debris starts falling around him it's sort of almost like old school sort of <laughs> yeah yeah this is some warner brothers like like lupon exactly. maybe Tom it's and Jerry like shit. miyazaki <laughs> lupon right. like that's one of my other favorites too it's got that kind yeah. of spastic kind of crazy and yeah. look at the juxtaposition this is something that Tomo's telling us is like the raw display of power then the fight with Canada is almost like cat and mouse and then now he flies into space walks up a satellite and blows a hole in it 
And this is there's yeah. a logo again. From there's the really, yeah. logo everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The and there's no logo. need for like Tetsuo could have squashed like Canada whatever he wanted. Yeah. He wanted to beat him. Exactly. He wanted to prove that he's not the little brother anymore and that he's capable of handling himself. Yeah. Um and to that end he let Canada just kind of have his way for a minute, you know, like as a, um, as a little brother would do, you know, because yeah. that's the dynamic story. But now in the middle of this, like the dad comes in the military dad and he's got to like kick ass them against the military dad, you know, and that's a show, you know, he gets distracted. Oftentimes I think I love in these battles too. And this story that's different from a lot of other stories is that in the battles, un unnecessary things kind of happen along the battle way, you know, like, and then it's like the military's involvement and then this massive space lasers coming out, you know, and like, yeah, it's just things that are like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Especially if you're watching it for the first time, you're like, what is going on? Like, how is all this stuff happening? Um, it, but it's like the world's reacting to Tetsuo. Oh, look at that energy, sunset. You know? Like all of a sudden, Romantic. Like, with all that debris coming in the, from space, you know? A Akinda. Yeah. Kinder. Yeah. Uh. Kinder sunset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is beautiful. And look, again, we're looking up at the colonel. We're co- always looking up at him. Almost always. I'd like to do a ratio. We'll look at all the shots and go like, okay, like nine out of 10 shots of the colonel is looking up. Unless we're like yeah. trying to be subordinate to him when he's in the bureaucracy room. But look at that romantic shot right there too. And look at the change in tone of his colors, yeah. all that to the arm. But that must yeah. have been uh, rather difficult to animate that part. Just a little bit, I'd imagine. <laughs> There's not a lot of crossfades in this film, too. I was gonna say, but they 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 happen pretty well, and I think they work really nicely. And look at the two stars. You notice that the two stars are blinking. Yeah. yeah. Again, subliminal messages throughout the entire film, constantly designed and put in for, in, inferred into it. And I think that's the one thing that why I'm really suggesting that if you're gonna do a film adaptation, you the director has to have like that genius kind of Otomo brain to really put that in there. And you just can't capture those kind of things in film like you can in animation because animation is so um, you basically control everything. And that's what makes it so cool. But you can't do that in live action. Like if you put the, the camera up to stars, you're not going to get two stars blinking brighter than the others. You could do that in CGI. But then it's like you're altering and shifting it, you know. So it's just a difference. Yeah. It's a difference in intention. I think is really the key here. Look at up, looking up to him again, you know. Always, yeah. And looking, looking and down to him, and look at he's going. He's going. I, yeah. <laughs> I love talking with you about these things. Is that like I'm a passionate Akira fan. I've seen this movie literally a thousand times minimum, and these are things I never actually noticed until I talk with you. It's like the actual filmmaking part of this, the the cinematography of this the you know the film school for lack of a better term it's fascinating and i learn something new every time Ugh. vice versa and that's what's cool and that's why we're doing it and i'm hoping that you guys out there listening to this or you're just happy and there's a big huge smile like here a smile on your faces like it is to us right now because this is it's just so cool and it's so it's such a blessing to live in a time and a day and age where we can have these things that we obsess about we were mentioning mm-hmm. before that we did this that you know we didn't grow up in the like the the, the age of uh you know i don't know victorian art or whatever it might be we grew up with this this is this is our art form growing up this is where our nostalgia is attached to and this is what we consider to be art and it's only natural that we would kind of obsess about it love it and care about it and want to discuss it you know and i think that's what makes it really worthy Canada is like get, get away from my battery pack who cares about your bike <laughs> he's such an asshole through and through throughout the whole thing he's constantly looking out for himself basically you know like always <laughs> even with his crew and then he's all cracking up on him as his bike's burning up 
that shot too, <laughs> that big pan down. And look yeah, how they must don't... be one of the most impressive backgrounds in the whole film, I would imagine. Oh, there's so it's many. Just so of much them. detail so in the many. skyline and, and then the stadium. And in the in the stadium too, yeah. How she's walking. That's really hard to animate people walking. The weight, like how her head's bobbing down and up and down. Um, yeah. Framing again, framing all these framing shots, framing the the shadow, the and way I, it's leading, the empty empty chair, the everything, the throne. I love that they they didn't have to put an Olympic. And they introduced the scene to her. Fucking, yeah. They introduced the scene with her, which I think her perspective is really great because we're leading with innocence to destruction. You know, which I think is brilliant. Again, we didn't just go straight to him. Imagine if we just cut right to him in that in that in that, in that little hall hallway. It would suck. We wouldn't have had that like. Look how big this scene is. Look how like we're entering it with innocence, and look at him. He's got it. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, like, right, he's just as dumb as Canada. I'm going for it. And that's that's <laughs> another reason I wish the film was only ten minutes longer. Is that watching his journey to the stadium would have shown yeah. how rugged and determined, and how like you have to infer that from his climb up the junk hill. Yeah, you know, exactly. in that one scene, you have to pull that, and I think that you miss that. You know, it's like yeah. his. He's such a powerful character that gets. He ends up being reduced down to just a antagonist, I think, and that's a little unfair. But yeah, if you watch, if you really want more, oh, and this whole thing right here. Oh my god! Yeah, like all those little lines going through, and then when he everything. This is when the animation starts to get really bonkers. Here, coming up here soon, yeah, when he gets metaphysical and just like starts to collapse inside of himself and expose, like (laughs) just become a giant baby, (laughs) which is like, yeah. We should definitely talk about our own personal thoughts and the meanings and and what we think is going on and stuff. I mean, on the surface, there's many simple opinions, but it's even further beyond that is when we talk about themes and stuff. And I remember, um, I think it was when Otomo's finishing up the last book, he had consulted Look Mobius. Look at this effect right here. Look at the yeah. video stride. That, yeah. So that's not in the animation. Um, that's an overlay. Like, that's crazy. They didn't like paint that in. They put that overlay there. But um, and Neil, I think you have that in your collection, right? Damn you. Yeah, yeah, yes, I do. I love that effect. It's so good. I was gonna say too. Like, um, I think um, Otomo was a big fan of Mobius's work, and they were friends, as to be understood. Because I mean, just like Sid Mead, they're all just these crazy culture creators, basically, of our time, and. And I think that Otomo, from what I remember, consulted how to end this with Mobius. And that's why we get this really interesting French (laughs) ending, you know. It's very French. (laughs) It's very abstract. It's very kind of open-ended. And I just love that. I just love it. That shot there is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Every shot. This is where it it kicked. Yeah. Look at the seats, how the seats turn colors, too. It's hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, it is. There's no favorite to me. They're all favorites, you know. Um, so boom. an odd tidbit that you uh oh that right there uh, the, the so weight. amazing everyone's just like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah your dad must have been like what is going on <laughs> i honestly if i remember uh, right he was half asleep at this point but yeah uh, <laughs> this is um and you know if uh, anyone's a fan of todd pilgrim um man, o'malley good. borrowed this oh. in this scene right here for the Scott Pilgrim video game, and uh, like when, when the hand just kind of explodes into vegetation, yeah. Um, so that's a neat little tidbit. And then another weird tidbit I was going to share with you is that um, oddly, Jeff Darrow, who yeah, did the Jeff art direction great. behind, yeah, he did the uh, art direction on the Matrix, and also is a brilliant artist all the way around, and has done some of my that's favorite awesome. comics in history. Yeah, um, he's the one that introduced Mobius to Otomo. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I get every year I go to Comic-Con, I, I say hi to Jeff because to me, Jeff is just a, yeah, he's a legend and he's amazing. And at the same time, he has an impeccable taste and he is very close with Mobius. 
and these yeah. guys too. So it's just, yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah, I got to chat with him for a while. He's, it's always sad to me to not see a 20,000 person line out from his table. I, I guess um, it makes sense. It saddens me too, but it makes sense because he, he isn't like this guy that's going out there and be like, I'm the best. He just, he's, he's so humble. He's so humble. He's the nicest guy. He's and, super nice. You know, I only have one, like, you know, one regret is uh, when he offered to draw something for me, I didn't take it up for him. Oh, you know, like, like I, that, I did get a commission, but he was going to do an, an Akira thing. And I was just uh, like, oh, man, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to do that. Sure. Just, that's, not, that's nice of you, though, because, you know, he's just like you know, not an art prostitute. But that's really cool that he offered because he'll do yeah. that, too. He'll just draw for people and all that stuff, too, which is awesome. That, he does that it hesitation, he just does it. That hesitation with Kaneda was beautiful, and it's perfect supporting this, that story, that, you know. Um, uh, that that rotation shot there was just ugh. when when uh, when Kaneda sees Tetsuo suffering, look at his reaction, and it's so natural because he's he, although he hates Tetsuo, he still loves him, and it's a love hate thing, you know. And it's just like, oh, here we go. It starts unfolding. Oh, <laughs> giant baby, giant baby. Here we go. Uh, it's a little and, sort of morally ambiguous, and there's the bit that everybody always goes. Once you've seen it, you. Don't yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, and then the, and then it's like the 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 the, the blurred focus too to just the, all the yeah, chaos going on, but you're watching. Yes, a sense of scale, but you're also just being able to focus on Kaneda's reaction to all the multiple and the fact fingers. that he like goes to Kauri for help, not Kaneda. Yeah, um, she's the only person that he actually ever trusted because she was the only one that was beneath him on the totem pole. Yeah, and then and by, now he takes gonna innocence and kills it. Yeah. Well, it's it's the last ditch of of innocence, I think. What we're showing here, and kind yeah. of getting wrapped up into it. Oh, so crazy! Oh man! Um, and, and that's the other thing is that some of the, one of the things you always forget about Akira is that it's not just sci-fi and it's not just some cyberpunk. It's also body horror. It's also like yeah. ancient drama. It's you know uh, coming of age. It's a coming drama. of age. Yeah, coming of age story too. It's, a, it's, it's definitely everything. drama. Yeah, it's it's multifaceted oh, right too. Just, oh my god. Oh no. The first time I saw this, I was like, oh no, Gaudi. Oh, oh man, she just turns yeah. into red. Oh, so violent. And I love how you can still hear him like screaming. It's and they're like folded into him. Oh, it's so crazy. Biomech. Oh man, have is you that, seen Tetsuo like Body Hammer? Yeah, I have actually. That's that's pretty insane. That film. Yeah, it's it's interesting with like Japanese stuff. It's like when they do horror or they do violence, man, do they do that horror and they do that violence? <laughs> you know, oh, it's yeah. like it's it's like there's no argument about it. Oh man, it's just they just let it all out and that's it. I uh, like how he just sprawls out like a ninja. Oh, that's crazy. Oh man, and the 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 audio right here too. Again, I was mentioning earlier. It's a shame we don't, we don't have the ability to like necessarily critique the audio but the audio and the sound of this is incredibly good incredibly good yeah. especially for its time mm-hmm. and the score again is, is is masterfully done i think again to testament is like there's not a lot of stuff that has those themes anymore and i think that the kind of i mean akira itself has a, a really strong theme um a strong audio video like a, just a feel um that is kind of missing in a lot of other things i think other properties themes that actually aren't just kind of like they're just themes for themes sake if that makes sense you know like trying to take a john carpenter theme and like remixing it because <laughs> stranger things yeah. i'm sorry but it's the <laughs> which i mean man yeah. stranger things gets so much right that i forgive the rest and 
you know, like, again, I don't want to get into comparisons against things I don't like. Uh, cough, ready player one, cough. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to get into that, but sure. I will say, like, what Stranger Things does is it pays tribute where instead of just relying on the nostalgia, yeah, it tells a story inside of a great tribute. And I think that that's how you do it. Sure. And I yeah, feel like kind of build if, off if you try to do that with Akira, like, where I would forgive Kanye West's video that kind of talks about Akira or shows some Akira stuff. Yeah, he's because a that dude's fan. a fan. And he's, he's, like, he's paying tribute. He's not trying to remake the film. Yeah. But, you know, you try to remake this film. Like, I can even go with, like, um, Max Landis and uh, uh, what's it called? Um, why yeah. did the name of that film? Max is a big fan of these things, too, right? He's a big oh, fan yes, of these He, he kind of tried to remake it in that, um, in that one film. And. It's, it's okay. Oh, yes. yeah, that one with the kids in Seattle and they're flying around. And they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. My um, only issue is that he adamantly swears that that's not what that was and that's exactly what that is. Like, oh, he should yeah, not. I mean, don't don't no lie to this guy. It. Don't lie to yeah. That's Yeah, that's a, that's a blunt, yeah, blunt you're not a writing genius. You, you are paying tribute to a writing genius and that by itself would be genius if you can admit it. You should. But, yeah, um, you have to admit where you get your ideas from because there's a blatant, there's a blatant, Late, and that's kind of weird that he wouldn't do it. Have you seen The Signal? Um, that's my friend William's movie, William Eubank. There's, he's a huge Akira fan, too, and there's tons of Akira stuff in there, namely the the, 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 the hospital and all that kind of stuff. Um, and oh, the I unfolding. This, this. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I have not watched it yet. The Signal. Yeah, yeah, you should watch it. Yeah, I'll try and track it down as well if there's anything yeah. that's got anything to do with Akira. I think I'm you, very keen you'll, to see you'll, it. You'll feel it. You'll see it there. You'll feel it. And also, like I think Looper had a little bit of it, too. I think if I remember. I can't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was, there was a couple the, of notes that I picked up. End. I can't. The yeah. End. yeah, exactly. I won't say. I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen it. Look at the gravity, the love, the Which, color. If you haven't seen it, it's... it's I would put on my top ten list of like modern cyberpunk, like things that you need to see. Like Looper's right up in there for sure. Cool stuff. So well done. Uh, It's got some cool stuff. This is. uh, I'll I'll note. This is the first time in the the entire film, except from the beginning, when we're seeing absolute white, Um, and it's and and we have this little peaceful peace out moment. But we're seeing absolute light, white, um, lack of color for the first time since the beginning of the film. Um, or the presence again, of all colors. It depends on exactly, your yeah, <laughs> exactly how, how you look at it. The presence of all, or the absence of of, of all. I mean, I guess it the is things, the presence of all, but it's it's the absolute white, which is crazy. This oh I man, remember, oh. yeah, this whole thing right here drives me batty. Um, I remember one of our very first ever conversations. Ash, we talked about how Akira is one of the rare films that's impossible to get too metaphysical like you can you can sit and meditate on any aspect of akira to the absolute nth degree and there's no way to go out of bounds like you can because Satomo is that genius like yeah, he yeah. genuinely everything has that intention and there's a philosophy behind it and there's a story behind it mm-hmm. and there's an element of like spirituality behind it like you can't you can't get too wacky like some people do on star wars like they get too wacky yeah they, they think that's a metaphys- meta- metaphor for Vietnam or Christianity or whatever. I've heard many, many theories, but sure. with Akira, no. There, I mean, thirty-three years after World War Two or World War Three, that was the age of Christ when he died, and this movie is about a Messiah that comes in or a perceived Messiah coming in, altering the world. Yeah. Oh, and this note right here, every that's one of those handles has something written on it. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's that is the all over the place. Don't yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, maybe they were there when he was young, you know? So maybe it's the metaverse of, of, uh, Otomo's imagination. Stephen King does that. Oftentimes he puts yeah. all his worlds into one thing. Cause it's all coming from one creator. 
the god and Stephen like, King's Tarantino's world. Also. Yeah. yeah, Tarantino does yeah. as well. Yeah, they all kind of connect everything, which I think is fun. And it makes it interesting. And it's also like you're getting a, a direct source. It's almost like w- getting wine from a winery, you know, a specific winery yeah. or something, you know. Um, look at the colors again. I, lo- the colors I love are- her face. Like, she's interested when he talks, and then she looks away and is like, God damn it, quit yeah. talking. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally a real kid's reaction, you know, like, oh, no, yeah. you suck. You're so weird. Um, yeah. One, of the, one we- of the criticisms of the film is that they say you should, that some of these shots that are very sort of late in the film should have been sort of, they should have tried to tell a bit of this story a little earlier. No, I don't know what no. you guys think of that. I think it's perfect I think it's, as um, it is. I love no, how you, I love how you bring it in here. Cause you're, you're, Cause you're of, so confused. And it's like, where yes. did this all start from? Like, why in the world is the world ending? Yeah. While the world is ending, let's I tell like how this linear. whole started. I like yeah. that it's not yeah. linear. I think that things are too linear nowadays and that just ruins it. I like that you go through this weird experience and then, cause what it does to me is it makes me want to watch it again. And again and again and again because I'm placing things together. And I think that uh, if it was linear, I, I think it would be boring, honestly. It wouldn't be as impactful for me, at least. Yeah. And, and it's perfectly like, placed for it, too, I think, in the timeline because he's having his flashbacks through like this metaverse, basically, that, that he's experiencing. Yeah. I agree. Like, it has to happen at this moment. And then the other thing I thought was interesting was Akira is apparently the most powerful psychic that's ever lived in the Tetsuo is second in line. Yeah. And the only scene of akira's power besides him becoming a big ball of white light that engulfs tetsuo was him blowing up a television that's it yeah that's it that's he was clearly the head of his class because we just saw that he was the head of his class and then fast forward 33 years and boom everything's exploding and and, and why is he blowing up a television of all things again we watch this on a television and if you watch like stanley kubrick and you've seen like 2001 space odyssey the whole theme of that is that the um the freaking uh i'm drawing a blank right now the main uh the instigator the one that the 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 object that comes down and the the primates basically interact with it then evolves the obelisk the obelisk yeah. thank yeah. you sorry i'm freaking brains messed but um there's so oh, much stuff going on <laughs> yeah the obelisk um but like with the you know that was referencing the aspect ratio of the actual film so the obelisk is actually a device of film and so with when um akira blows up the tv what is he saying there? You know, like these are all these little things yeah. that I think we'd look further into and kind of like, I know we're going down deeper into this and some people are like rolling our eyes probably. And I imagine some of this is probably like, eh, whatever. But when you think about a work of a genius, honestly, honest, most times um, their genius is the purity of their existence and their, in their, their way of making things. And I think that whether he intended that for cause he could have blown up what a ball uh, uh, anything could blow up anything. Why everything is intentional. You must understand that when you watch and experience in a genius's work, everything is intentional, whether they know it or not uh, through their subconsciousness. And I think that's really, why is it a TV? You know, that's, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm going to go off on that, but I think it's really something quite interesting. No, there's something, there's I don't something think there, it's, so. I don't think it's off base at all. Like I said, it's impossible to go too deep into Akira. Yeah, because it's like, good, yeah. while it is just a cartoon to some people and some it's people not, it's a cartoon. It's, it's life. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a reason why three guys who are all professionals who and all adults, have great and careers families. and adults and <laughs> are sitting here on a Friday night talking about how genius this film is yeah. for the, how many at the time? Yeah. I mean, like you and I have had conversations multiple times. Neil and I talk about it weekly. I mean, it's just, it's an obsession for a reason and yeah. it isn't just us. Yeah. You know, I've it's, not, met, it's not just like tell t- tennis shoes or something or like a, like an album or something. It's like, yeah. it's way more than that. It's more dimensional. And I think I, so, I, I love it when I find yeah. out people love Akira that even when people have seen it, I'm like, wow, okay, you're an instant friend. 
let's talk mm-hmm. about that. You know, yeah, I always <laughs> this, thought this, this sequence oh, this was amazing. Animation. With the sort of almost like an an implosion, brilliant, as much so, as an explosion. Just simply brilliant. Simply. So brilliant. all of this was drawn like the keyframes were done by Atomo. This is the second scene that he did the keyframes for. Yeah, you can uh, feel it. Sense. You can really feel it. I love all yeah. the foreground elements. There's a lot of depth to these shots. You have the foreground elements, midground, and then background, and you have all this parallaxing that's happening between all those things. The rock falling. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And it and tumbles against the building. Yeah. Endless. When the, when this, when the sort of the blue sky is reflected against the the skyscraper, it's sort of yeah. as as everything clears up here. Was Satoshi Khan a part of this too? Because yeah. yeah. was, was Satoshi Khan a part of this as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, somebody mentioned to, for us to talk about on Facebook when they, when I told them about we're doing this episode. Um, I wasn't aware of that necessarily the details of what part he was. Is is it recognizable or is it noted or is it kind of like, just kind of, uh, he just worked on it and helped I, with it. I think he was a, just a tweener, um, at the time cause wow. he was so young. And I mean, like this was, uh, Koji Morimoto's like directorial debut as an animation director. Yeah. And now he's like, you know, a god in the industry. So, sure, or no, sure. he was a lead. He wasn't. He was an animation director because that was still a Tomo. But he was one of the animation leads. And um, now he's just like, oh, this is that beautiful. Look at that light inside beautiful. the glove. But uh. it's it's beautiful because like look look at his intention, his energy, and his focus, and like what he, he just lost his friend. You know, like and and where that comes from, and like that experience that he just went through, and like the loss and um, the compromise that he'd made. You know, and he's still yeah. like a you know a little shit kid, but at the same time, like her look, it's a term of endearment, like her look of endearment. You know, <laughs> oh the bike, <laughs> yeah, oh man, yeah, so that's good. very intentional too. Is um, there's beauty in this moment, and you have to let go of everything that was, including that immaculate bike, which is sort of the you know that's another you know I wouldn't call it a MacGuffin, but it's a huge piece of the plot that kind of is, yeah. <laughs> ultimately yeah. doesn't need to be but it is and, yeah it is you kind know. of a MacGuffin yeah yeah I like his shirt's yellow too again colors and stuff yeah, yeah. and backdropped against it so he's not red anymore she has his jacket now yeah you know, like why and he's changed stuff. yeah I think the thing when you watch these kind of films I always ask myself like why 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 is that why and you stop the frame go why why are we looking at here why are we, why are they not centered why this why that and then once you ask those questions and you just try to find the answers logically by using like knowledge then you think you find the the pure, the pure genius of these things you know and really right. enjoy it i think that also helps me understand like how far my own art needs to go in order to be good it's like i have to go this far and the wheelie off into the freaking the i know it must have been so hard to finish this you know like uh, let's do a wheelie off into the the landscape you know <laughs> on a wobbly bike and, and a wobbly so- bike yeah exactly Broken but still functional is is another big theme um, in this film, and then all this pencil test stuff. Like, and what's happening here? You think are we going? Are we going? Are we becoming energy ourselves as a as a a byproduct of experiencing this? What are we? What's happening? We're going back to the origin. This is it. This is where it all starts. We're going to. I am Tetsuo. Yeah, but we we are watching it. We are the see what we're doing now is it's our perspective. We are going through it. And then what's the rocks? Like, I know you've noticed that um, they're forming a double helix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we're going through... we're going through all the different galaxies. The metaverse basically is, is opening. I think what he's saying too is like all is love and all is like energy, you know, and all is like yeah. um, universal, universal energy and stuff. And like at our core, we're just like balls of energy. I think that's really like another thing that's really interesting, you know. Um, there's so much. There's so many layers to it. So good. So good. 
I love yeah. I love how this is so old. You can barely see like the executive producer. You can barely read this, even though like it's a like the type is quite bold. It's like yeah. <laughs> I love the degradation of it. It's so great. It's so great. There's so much to it. And like all these amazing people. I just want to say thank you to all you amazing people. Just awesome. Yeah. These guys killed it. So good. Every single one of them. Like every everybody in this list right here, a key animator. Like this yeah. is an artisan of the highest level. Very, um, you know, yeah. Uh, it's insane. Animation checkers, uh, assistant to animation checkers. I mean, in betweeners. Here we go. Um, we gonna see Satoshi Khan in here somewhere. Maybe we'll see it. Have to look for it. Dragon Production. So this telecom animation film. So this is. These are the different studios. I'm assuming. That were yes, and to it. they only listed the Japanese studios. By the way. Uh, okay. <laughs> they didn't want to give credit to the Korean stuff then. Uh, Corporation um, animation I, studios. I don't think it's that, but you can see the the co- cooperative animation studios. You see. Ah. There they are. Those are like, and you can see some of them are the Korean ones, like Kum and a couple others. Uh, okay. Special effects artists, Takashi, inkers and painters. I mean, yeah, this is so awesome. This is a massive list, but it's it's actually quite small considering the amount of work and the time that it got done. Art, art designers, layouters, and if you ever are curious about like how this stuff gets made, I always just sit here and look at the credits and go. Okay, there's background, and you look at the ratio and go, okay, like, okay, that's a studio there, and then how many people are at the studio that are represented? And oftentimes, you know, people don't even get credited, like you mentioned earlier. You know, I had worked on a couple of films, where I didn't get credited at all, and my work is in it like every 10 minutes, you know, it's just like kind of happens like that. And so I'm wondering how many people aren't even listed on here, you know, <laughs> that, that were a part of it, you know, it's just, it's crazy. There's some computer graphics right there. High tech lab, Japan incorporated. Boom. Five people are on, on, on that one. That's awesome. More, more computer graphics. Um, best boys. I want to be a best boy. That sounds like the best thing right there. Yeah, here we are in the music not, section. So good. You're not just a boy. You are the best boy. <laughs> I'm not just a boy. I'm a best boy. Someday I'll be a man. <laughs> Kaneda! <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is Lots so of Foley artists. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and stop my copy over here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a publicist. I mean, it's, it's, you guys can continue on, but um, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. Ha, ha, um, again, a massive thank you to all the amazing people who contributed to this amazing property and who brought this forth and, yeah, I'm I'm forever indebted to you guys. So thank you so much because thanks for yeah. the years of inspiration and all the amazing sauce that you've. I feel like um, if I ever get to meet a Tomo, which is like you know a bucket list item, I'm not going to be able to tell him like yeah. any of that. I think it's going to be like, uh. hi. <laughs> Dude, I think I'd be the around? same. Yeah. You know, and, I wonder, because, you know, like, I mean, you're in the industry and I've been like in the periphery of the industry and I've gotten to meet some people where, you know, like I thought I would be starstruck, but instead I'm just like, ha ha ha, here's some jokes and they laugh and it's a good time and we have a drink and whatever. Sure. With Atomo, I think he's like, him and Bono are like the last two people on my list of like, <laughs> I would, I, I, hi, um, you make thing, I like thing, thing <laughs> tattoo on me, I like, um, help. <laughs> Help! Help! I'm dying! I'm dying because there's no way this could be real, and I'm I'm dying and going to heaven, and and they <laughs> would have to like take me, and it would just be weird. But nerdgasm is good. It's good to have that though. I think it's good to have that in life to have those like you know obsessions and crushes. You know, I think those are really yeah. important to have. And, and it's, these I are mean, these are good. This is a good thing to be. And I've heard he's quite just chill and 
keeps to himself for the most part. He's just, he's a typical genius. I think, you know, just kind of exists in his own element. I think one thing I get from it is just to be yourself and to do what you want to do and to follow your dreams with like pure intention and just work your freaking ass off to manifest, you know, because yeah, you, you, know. you get the opportunities like he has. And then the, uh, the thing I get from it, building on what you just said, he never directed anything before Akira. I thought he did some, some like, sort of films, didn't he? Didn't he do some like films, yeah. film films? Well, he did. Yeah, he did. Like, like I'm talking animation wise. Oh, okay, and animation. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know the narrative I like to tell myself is that he didn't know how much he didn't know, which is why he demanded such perfection. And I think yeah. if he if he had to do it again, like, the reason we don't see any of these anymore, like Akira's the only one, is because if you had to ask the man, hey, go do this again, he'd be like, no way. Like, <laughs> like, I know how dumb that is now. Like, yeah, exactly. And yes, he's kind of like Kaneda at that point. So, so motivated. Yeah. I mean, over a year and a half. I mean, people must have been working 18-hour days and things like that. Easily, easily. Weekends and everything to get this thing done. And divorces. I have no idea how you I keep mean, all these teams going. Yeah, childhoods were lost. Um, divorces occurred. I mean, all that stuff, I imagine, just to make this happen. And that's why we must appreciate it. Because I'm sure yes. uh, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And, and it's, uh, it's something to be really appreciated. We have to do a Ghost in the Shell one next. I would love to do one. I, I think the audience and everybody... If you want to hear us do one, get us, get at us. I'll make sure I have um, the show notes and connections to these amazing guys on like, what do you guys use Twitter and all that kind of stuff? Sure. The tweets, I, do those tweets, I, get those tweets going. <laughs> yeah. Twitter may be uh, going by the wayside for me for other topics or other, other conversations on more political podcasts, but yeah. Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, our personal sites. Um, Neil and I both have sites. It's just our names.com, um, jopeacock.com, neilwesley.com. And then you have uh, Art of Akira. Is, we'll link out to those things as well if you care about what we do besides drooling in our underwear over Akira nightly. Um, <laughs> there you go. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, which and then is Ash what Thorpe, we do. I think you're you're out there doing stuff. I don't I don't know. Like I, I've sometimes seen I try thing on the internet with you. I try um, to do some stuff. Yeah, every once in a while. I think if you're listening to this, you guys must go support this amazing art and and go out and and buy everything you can to support it. <laughs> um, buy the comics, buy the manga, buy the the collector's books and all that stuff. If you can buy the Blu-ray, experience the Blu-ray, show share it with your friends. We're hoping that our excitement becomes your excitement and you guys enjoyed this journey with us. Um, it's been amazing. I'm super stoked to have done it with these guys. Thank you guys so much. And um, any last uh, words you uh, want to say if, if, if uh, you know, hi, mom, hi, dad, or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll say that um, if, you, if we can spare one minute, I have suggestions on what to get. So yes. for the film, I would absolutely get the Blu-ray. Um, the recent, the latest it, one, right? The latest one is Immaculate, and it is so, so well done, and it comes with a collector booklet that's pretty great. Um, they can specify <laughs> that that one, right, out of everything else? The latest? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, the latest. And then if you are interested in the manga, if you can find it, I would track down the Dark Horse uh, reprint from 2004-ish. Um, they re they, they took all of the language out completely, scrubbed it, and then put it back in, freshly translated, and it also is the only 
of the bigger books. You can find the Marvel smaller books um, if you if you look in like thrift stores and such. But the story ending for that in America is vastly different than the original story ending in Japan. So I recommend the Dark Horse and this latest Kadansha reprint. They have the original ending and the American ending. Um, so you can compare and contrast and look at the two. So um, if you find the older ones, they're still well worth reading. But um, to complete your Akira journey uh, from a canon standpoint, I would definitely track down the latest reprints and read those alternate endings and see what you know how you feel about the difference and enjoy it too. And I love that. Yeah. I love alternate endings. Honestly, I just yeah, I, I enjoy. I've it. never I've never seen those ones. So I'm gonna have to go and track them down myself. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's there's so much. There you go, people. And we'll we'll share links with that for you guys too. So if you're interested and curious and want to join the crowd of being obsessed with this amazing art form, um, yeah, and celebrate it by going off and making your own masterpieces and sharing that with people. And and you know, it's one thing to go and acknowledge and appreciate things, but it's also just go out and make our own work that we love and appreciate and take these influences as we go on in our journey of creating things. I think that's really great, you know. So yeah, I'm stoked. Thank you guys so much. This is amazing. Um, I can't wait to do the Ghost in the Shell one. And um, I'm hoping that everybody that listened to this uh, enjoyed the journey with us. So we'll see you guys on the other side. Wow, what an amazing, amazing episode to do together. I just had so much fun. I think you guys probably could hear it in our excitement and our voices as we just got giddy about every scene in this film. Hopefully you enjoyed it and it got you to see and learn a little something about the film that we love so much. Big thank yous to Joe Peacock and Neil Leslie for coming on the show and sharing their time with us this week. And a massive praise and thank yous to all the men and women that were responsible for bringing Akira to life. And of course, to the master himself, Otomo-san. Thank you so much for everything you've done for us. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectedpodcast.com slash 165, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out, everyone.